Blog Talk Radio. Realize the truth, then they mobilize the truth. When we realize the truth, then they mobilize the truth. It's forbidden, don't cross that line. Say it was written, I think you're lying. Here I am, I ain't running from you. Here I stand, I ain't running from you. You kids be playing high and go speak. Like now you see me, now you don't, but here's a quick beat. Horizons in unison, monitor confusion of illusions. The strength in numbers, and this they hear me movement. Tap on force and howl, or more house. I devour that divine flower before I jump a shower at my whore's house. Don't doubt it, you'll get shrouded. You're maybe rapping like there's no cure for the common fight. These twice, better yet, don't blink. These rooms will leave you with nothing. No water to sink, I alter the beat. Slaughter your peace, follow the east on opposite streets. Why you washing your feet? Make no mistake. I blast traitors out of your face with shrapnel grenades. All these superficial MCs, the 50 caliber Back to the future. Hot you sneeze with God's speed. You need to take heed. Realize the truth. Then they mobilize the truth. When we realize the truth. Then they mobilize the truth. It's forbidden. Don't cross that line. Say it was written. I think you're lying. Here I am, I ain't running from you Here I stand, I ain't running from you Stocks drop, drop, flop, build this topple The powers that be, keep on secrets and dead gobble We accept what they offer, like a preacher Collect and change at the altar Think falters, for what the uncle taught us The present is what the father brought us The present of the coming horrors You can't follow, send a hollow through your temple Kill your power, it's more simple Tomorrow, I'm in the pocket, snap on one, no audible Lightning strike the one spot, twice more powerful Seconds, minutes, hours away from the doubtful A limited amount of rifles Pointed at the smoke clouds, fool You run backwards, repeat the last chapter Look at all these actors, spectating You're beaten by a black mama Your screams wake and fainting Read me along, I stand on the front line of home again Realize the truth Then they mobilize the truth When we realize the truth Then they mobilize the truth It's forbidden, don't cross that line Say it was written, I think you're lying Here I am, I ain't running from you Here I stand, I ain't running from you Boston signs near. Sometimes I hear the future that's prepared. Missing health and filter melts and sweltering heat. Concrete blocks bleed. Leaving leftover motor feet for my people to eat. Can't taxi, no fare, no run. Yet I stay on my feet. Don't carry no gun. Still melt the heat. Suicidal victims fell in the streets. Like they got the same song. Stuck on repeat. I ain't a teacher with a lesson to teach. Yet I see the evil dresses in the beat. And I ain't rest of my sheet. I battle with my inner beats. Say nothing, won't move, nothing, can't sleep. My eyelids jumping, flashbacks of last week's coming. No intermission, I read the signals, one with intuition. Read the natural gases into my system. Internet dimensions, infinite wisdom, respect given. Realize the truth, then they mobilize the truth. When we realize the truth, then they mobilize the truth. It's forbidden, don't cross that line. Say it was written, I think you here I am, I ain't running from you Here I stand, I ain't running from you
First World Order Radio, finally, finally, we are on the air. No doubt. All right, all right. There's always going to be somebody in the building on First World Order Radio. We get on into some of that order consciousness tonight. First World Order Radio every Wednesday, 8 p.m. We got to talk about what is taking place on the planet. There's always going to be somebody in the building on First World Order Radio. First, we need to let you know we're going to be doing more shows, giving out more information on Wednesdays. Wednesday is 8 o'clock. We are now going to make this the hottest day of the week. Levels in time, order, importance. The most prominent parts, voices, or instruments. Earthly state of human concerns and existence. An indefinite multitude, quantity, or distance. System regulates to bring about specifics in the group based on value and natural characteristics. Current radiates electromagnetics of sound through the air, same as your thoughts transmits it. Proceeding levels in time, order, importance. The most prominent parts, voices, or instruments. Earthly state of human concerns and existence. An indefinite multitude, quantity, or distance. System regulates to bring about specifics in the group based on value and natural characteristics. Current radiates electromagnetics of sound through the air, same as your thoughts transmits it. Get your schedule, your schedule right. You need to know our intentions straight out. All right, so, I mean, these clues are given throughout the various languages was to piece the puzzle of this ancient mystery school back together again. And what we plan on doing, both of us, is bringing y'all some surefire dynamite. We're going to take this level up a notch. We're going to have stuff to do here. This is not just going to be about philosophies and theories and shit that works. You have activated Python's land in which I produced this black chemical called melanin. We, what we did was gave a hard line in the sand between the different definitions of esoteric study and exoteric study. Playtime is over.
you know, it's our imagination, our imagination. We are all magicians. Some of us may not know how grand of an idea that is. Really, is just a natural way of being. We all will things and weld things. A magician wells things into existence through intent. Sometimes purposefully, sometimes unintentionally. So today, going to come out of Inyala Benzak's book, Acts of Faith, Days of Meditations for Indigenous People. <laughs> all right, today is July 28th. I wasn't going to do this because, uh, you know, we got a few things to go over, but part of it, there you go. I'm going to go ahead and get into it. Today's date is July 28th, so it states right here. It's by Abun Adelana. Each time we have sex, we must be innocent and open. True date. Sexual intercourse is an act of profound creation. It is the meshing and weaving together of the mother, father, force of the creator. Whatever we hold in our heart, the mother, in our mind, the father, during the sexual act will be created in our lives. Sex and anger will create angry words and angry situations that must be resolved. If we are in denial about ourselves, who we are, or who we are, or who our mate truly is in our life, then sex will create denial in the relationship. Sex and sex and self and self sacrifice will create a doormat. Whoever makes the sacrifice will be walked on. Sex and confusion creates chaos and more confusion about how and why we want sex. Unconscious sex, doing it just to be doing it, creates a violation in the subconscious mind. When we create children during misguided intercourse, the child brings to life the state of our being, the time of the act. We can hear and strengthen ourselves during our conscious sexual activity, but but we must know what we are doing and why. To uh, sum all of that up, she states at the bottom here, sexual intercourse is a creative expression in which I fully participate. That's your daily um, mantra right there. Your haiku, your power word, sexual intercourse is a creative expression in which I fully participate. See it up there? It said, uh, sexual intercourse is an act of profound creation. It's the meshing and weaving together. It's the unification of the mother-father force of creator, of the creator. Whatever we got going on inside our heart or in our mind, our heart's the mother, the father's the mind, during the sexual act, that's what we will create. Like I was just saying, through words and thoughts, you know, it creates our physical reality. So all this uh, unconscious sex that people are having out here is producing this unconscious reality through consciousness, of course, because everything holds consciousness. It's just that the level of consciousness that it's on is, is uh, basically corresponding to what they're going to. You know what I'm saying? They, they, a lot of people bust the nest to break, through, to break away from some type of emotional I said busting us. But, yeah, a lot of people are having sex and, you know, having an orgasm to break away from some type of emotional mishap early in life. Some people, you know, like a, a man, a young man may have been sexually molested or a young woman may have been sexually molested at a young age. And now they go out and they're trying to either they are lesbian or they're trying to 
get that satisfaction to another man or whoever, maybe because their father did it. But now they're trying to get that, that wash that away by having sex with another with a woman or either by finding so many different men being promiscuous, you know what I'm saying, to um, try to alleviate that thought, male or female. You know, so other situations are taking place too. We just, uh, you know, need to gather ourselves to really pay, be more attentive to things that are, are occurring outside of the bedroom after the uh, sexual intercourse takes place because we might not have that physical baby, as it's been stated before, but we may go, we're going to have a shadow baby, especially if it's done in an unconscious manner. The thing will be lurking in the corner waiting to, for you to run out of gas. Ah, look, you ran out of gas. Guess what? That's that baby. You've got flat tires, can't afford to pay the bill, the lights got turned off. You know, stuff like that. that that's, that that's that baby, you know, when um, things are going in accordance and we are in tune with our inert sexual activities and our, our appetite for for um, for that for that you know that part of creation and that natural it's a natural thing is that we shouldn't be doing it every day and all that other stuff it should be we shouldn't have a different sex part or I keep saying sex or in, uh, uh, we shouldn't have a different partner for that passionate intercourse every other day it's uh you know find somebody that you really did, you know, you really have feelings for and whatnot. Y'all, y'all correspond on that level and y'all have an agreement and y'all consent, then go ahead and, and have fun with it. With a sober mind and have a sober reality outside, you know, create sober reality outside of that. All right. So that was July 28th. That's, that's beautiful, too, because it goes uh, somewhat, it always ties into uh, what we're talking about a little bit, because that's the two energies, basically, you know, you know, and, and all that. Yeah, so. I'm going to start into it. Today's topic, first we're going to, um, this is a little tip and trick. First tip is uh, enzymes. Enzymes are essential. Digestive enzymes, in particular, you know, we uh sometimes we talk while we eat, or we might be concentrating while watching TV. Sometimes we might be driving, or something like that while we consuming our food or attempting to to consume it. Consume means to devour, but uh, to uh, if it ain't gone, if it ain't broken down and getting to the cells, you know what I'm saying? Then they devour. So what? A good idea is to get some digestive enzymes and um, allow that food to get to get the nutrients out of it because the enzymes start in our mouth. You know, since chewing, a lot of us don't chew enough. You know, they say, they say about thirty to fifty times to really masticate the food and uh, get get it watery. The old saying is, uh, "Drink your food and eat your drink." So when you eat your food, you should like. Really make sure you got a lot of water in your mouth before you swallow it down. And then, I mean, you'll spit because that's where your amylase it breaks down the carbohydrates and proteins. It begins carbohydrates in the mouth, and proteins are started with pepsin in the stomach. But also, uh, chew your drink. So when you get your drink, switch it around a few times in your mouth and get their enzymes in there so it can break down properly and get the minerals out to drink as well. Minerals and nutrients out to drink. Um, 
or minerals and vitamins, which are nutrients. All right, that's the tip. All right, and um, this is the tip and the trick right here. All three D, this article I've got um, off of some email. They send me all the time, but I was looking over like, well, I'm going to dump down like you trash. But this one's a pretty good one. It's relating to uh, what we got going on around here, what we're doing. This is a beautiful thing, Altering DNA by Angela Solano, um, publisher of International Health Watch. How to reprogram your DNA for better health in as little as two minutes. You can reprogram your DNA to create a healthier body in as little as two minutes. In the last 150 years, the scientific community and the world at large have believed that we human beings are programmed by our DNA and that our genes cannot be changed. How many times have you heard people say things like, I can't help the way I am. It's in my genes. I was born this way. Cancer runs in my family. We have the cancer gene, so I might as well accept it. I will never lose weight. My genes are keeping me fat. My dad died of heart disease at the age of 50. I've got the gene, so I'll probably die young, too. My hair started turning gray when I was 25. It's in my family genes. I know I said that great thing. Yeah. But anyway, we've all probably said some of those, some of those, I had some of those ideas, and we've definitely heard someone say it before. Okay, so our DNA contains our genetic code, but now we can alter it. We've been taught to believe that we have no control over our DNA, that we're at the mercy of our genes, and that our genes dictate our physical, physiological, emotional, and behavioral traits. It has also been a widely held belief that DNA, which is shaped like a double helix, has a fixed structure and cannot be changed. Now scientists have discovered that this is a flawed theory. Through the science of epigenetics, the study of innate changes in gene function that do not involve changes in DNA sequence, DNA can be altered through various means such as magnetic fields, heart coherence, positive mental states, and intention. This means that the DNA you were born with is no longer the sole cause of your health and well-being. In a recent study conducted at the Institute of Heart Math, human DNA was placed in a sealed test tube. These um, test subjects were um, the test subjects who were trained to generate focused feelings were able to intentionally cause a change in the shape of the DNA. Negative emotions produced at will caused two strands that consist of human DNA to wind more tightly. Heart-centered feelings of love and appreciation generated by the research subjects caused the DNA strands to unwind and exhibit positive changes in just two minutes. This may be the first scientific evidence of the long-held theory that emotion greatly affects our health, quality, of life. This is proof positive that we can program our DNA through emotion and thus change the very blueprint of our health and our life. Emotion is just one way of altering your DNA. There are many other ways that are easy for you to do at home without medical interference whatsoever. For example, in an astonishing experiment, scientists discovered that the human body's DNA can easily be reprogrammed by human speech. Imagine how dramatically your life would change if you could reprogram your DNA to make your body as healthy as possible without being restricted by the predisposition of your genes. Imagine the legacy of health you could pass on to your children and grandchildren if you could easily alter your gene expression. A Time Magazine cover story titled Why Your DNA Isn't Your Destiny shows that scientists are now able to use epigenetics to silence bad genes 
and jumpstart their genes. So spoken words and phrases, when they're modulated, so to speak, and they generate a specific frequency, can actually reprogram your DNA to the most extraordinary advancements. So with that said, what we're going to do is we're going to do a, a brief, a, about a 10-minute meditation with the 528 hertz. That's the uh, the love transformation and miracle frequency. There's a few different type of frequencies or hertz uh, that they have going out there. So they got the DNA repairing, and that's 432, I believe. And then you got, yeah, the 396 hertz helps with the root chakra. It helps, uh, like, break the, the feathers off of it, liberates it, so to speak. Uh, that's 396. Uh, 936 is the pineal gland activation, so that's a good hertz right there. But we're going to do the love hertz. I think the love hertz 528 is all around, you know what I'm saying? Get to generate that love from the heart and, and bring in some good some good um, vibrations. So what uh, for we're going to go into Metanetta Volume 2 by Rock Unnefer Amin. Um, page page one forty seven over here. It says right here. Um, it's after I said transformed herself back into human form. She, you know, she had a. She was flying. She was uh flying around, looking for all saw, and she found the body, but. Um, she uh, turned into the, a bird or whatever, whatnot. So what this is saying is imagine oneself as different creatures, persons, etc. while in trance is an important practice in spiritual development. What you imagine doing in trance is taken by the spirit as reality. It is thus that powers are developed and limiting conditions are transcended. This is why the Pertimaru, the Book of Enlightenment, will come forth by day. The Tibetan yoga system and so on prescribe such visualizations to be practiced by the initiate. The empty pillar became the tree of life of the Canaanite and, the, and later on of the Jews. It was empty because they did not receive the full teachings. So what is the full teaching? The full teachings is that you are the tree, the physical body, and within that tree is your indwelling intelligence. The indwelling intelligence has always been there, Always been functioning. It's just we haven't had we haven't had an agreement with it, or we ain't united with it. So you know, so certain processes um, can help us gather that back to where we was on day one or the day before creation, as it speaks. Uh, so now we'll come out of volume two of Meta Meta, um, pages two twenty nine uh, to two thirty. So you get a a good so you basically have a better understand mm-hmm. understanding understanding on some of the what we're about to do, the meditation we're about to do. Okay, so this is the two twenty nine it's talking about the head of root faculty, the house of light faculty. All this strikes us as being all this strikes us as being beautiful, harmoniously juxtaposed forms in the world is the work of the deity head to root. In human life, this natural intelligence manifests itself as artistic expression, social grace, charm, artistic as well as scientific invention, 
pleasure seeking, and etc. Interrupt has its seat in the human body in the gonads. Its comedic name is an, is an indication of this fact. Interrupt literally means house or heads of Haru, house of light. Haru corresponds to those solar metabolic phase factors responsible for the virilization and, masculine, and masculinization of the adult male of the species. In other words, the metaphysical forces behind the production of androgen. Of androgen. In the Yoruba tradition, Haru is Shango, the patron of kings, who wears pants with exaggerated crotches to show that he outmans all other men. With Heteru, the emphasis is not on the hot gonadal, uh, gonadal expression of Haru, but on the cool, peaceful, joyous, refined, charming, sexual arousal, and seductive behavior that stimulates the production of estrogen in the female reproductive system. Concealed from the knowledge of the majority of people is the fact that sexual arousal is an expression of the arousal of the life force rock. In fact, during the earliest times in comedic history, Heteru was considered the principal female counterpart of the deity rock, and therefore the mother of the deities. Her dominion over the imagination is the rationale for this association. The sensations of joy and pleasure or negative feelings are expressions of the arousal of the life force, and the images that form the content of the visualization of daydreams, dhyana, that's the um, Tibetan yoga derivation of daydreams and visualizations, or, the, or meditation, are the spiritual modes, bodies of the deities, and energized thought forms, the elementals of the European occultism, that guide the physical forces to the realization of their goals. In her role as the imaginative faculty, she is Nephet, the lotus of the house. This house, of course, is the spirit. This can be easily understood from the fact that all spiritual work must be carried out through the concentration on images in the state of trance. Images plus aroused life force, rock plus trance, medium mystic or waking, equals spiritual realization, mooding or spiritual. Whoever remembers this formula observes my eye, balance, follows Tuhuji, wisdom, and identifies with Osar, higher self, the indwelling intelligence. And they will achieve all his or her needs in heaven and on earth. In her role as, imagina as the imagination, she is also the eye, the washes of her root. That is the eye of the will, or simply our ability to visualize what we will to achieve. And the comedic texts say that the deities whose bodies were composed of light nourished themselves on the celestial light supplied to them by the eye of the root. They are referring to the subtle, luminous matter out of which our images are formed. That's that photonic energy right there, that subtle, luminous matter. And the thought forms are, are also spiritual forms. Phantoms, remember, spectrums, light waves, spectrum, light code spectrums. They, then they can be verbalized, just like the symbols are made up of photons. So now we're going to go into the meditation. I'm going to put on, um, like I said, I'm just going to put on the 528. Oh, pardon me. See, there it is. What we're going to do in the meditation is basically... Uh, you can get to 528 and do this on your own if you want later on, but since we know that we can alter our DNA through sound and through intent, through emotion, so the love frequency is going to be the definite emotion, and then the, the visualization is whatever. You want to see yourself as Osar, first of all. So Osar, 
That's I put that on the slideshow. Um, had a white crown on with the white, the white, the white uh, gown or whatever, and uh, had a the flail in the um, in the crook, in the the watch scepter, scepter in your hand, whatnot. Um, that's the spine on both sides, either for Gala or Nabat, and, and watch it. So put those right there, and then had the visualization as the energy goes up on both sides, connected to the to Asura, the pineal gland. Imagine yourself as Asura. Don't see, don't look yourself at yourself like you're in a mirror now, and like you're watching a movie or whatnot. See yourself as Asura. You you can look down at yourself holding, actually holding the, the um flail and the crook, and then um imagine what it is that you want after. You get into the trance, imagine what it is, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Health, you know, uh, if it's abundance, uh, if it's something for your, your seeds, you want them to be well, you want them to have a good livelihood. If you want it to be, um, to develop your higher senses, you know, just or you just blank out, don't even have a thought, just, you know, get what you're supposed to have, you know what I'm saying? So, but um, basically what we're going to do is we're going to breathe in. First, is, is, uh, so this is the head to root. I know, I know we was going over some of the initial uh, meditations uh, when when I first started corresponding with you guys on certain topics. So, I, you know, each one I'm always going to add on regardless. I'm, I am a student. So, you know, and they, they call Dr. Aline the connector, but they also call him a teacher of teachers. So I am developing into a teacher as we go. So I'm learning every day. But, you know, some things I've, I've, that I've participated with, that's what I teach from. That's what I not really teach, but that's what I embark on to um, to supply and to serve others with, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, first self, then the source, and I definitely ain't going to be sitting around with this in my pocket, like, you know, I, I got it, yeah, 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 no, you can't have it, no, so this is what it is right here, so the um, haiku or the the um, mantra is Fong Klong Sa'u, and you can sing, you can you can harmonize it, or you can just go like that, but the count will be count one, then you breathe in, bong on two, you hold it all the way to four to eight, but you on four is Kalong, then Saul on five, and then breathe out on seven and eight. So it would be like this, ver- verbally, vocal, vocalizing it would be like this. Breathe in, then Thong, Kalong, Saul. I think that's the right melody with that. Let me make sure. Thong, so then breathe out on seven and eight. So is breathe in. I mean, hold count one. Long. And breathe out on seven and eight. All right, so. Vong is V-A-N-G, Kaling is K-L-I-N-G, and Sa'u is S-A-U-H. So it's, once again, count one, breathe in, Vong, 
Okay. Uh, hope that uh, uh hope that you enjoyed that. Um it's pretty cool. Sounds are different, you know, those frequencies they, they do generate certain brain activity. Um so the again it is um Bong B A N G Kaleem K L I N G Saul S A H U or S A U H. There's two different variations on that. Let's go. S A U H. Bong Kaleem Saul. You don't necessarily have to do the the melody. Bong Kali Sau. The first and the last note are the same. The middle note goes up one octave. So uh, that, you know, get the visualization and saying that at the same time, that brings unison on both sides while you also unite the breath with spirit and intelligence with that visualization and the actual actual um, logos or the actual words pop. Okay. Now let's get into today's Discord stop sign. Stop, basically. S-T-O-P. This is the etymology on it. Late 14th century, a plug. A cessation. From stop. A cessation means to stop, basically. Like, you know, that pause within the breath. Um, from stop. Of mechanisms of musical instruments from 1500, especially of organs, where opening then makes it produce more sound, his figurative phrase, pull out the stops. Organs basically are just life, you know, so organs are life and stopping life and movement, energy and motion. Um, stop as a verb, that's the noun, stop as a verb, old English, stopian, and forstopian. To stop or stifle. Stifle means to take the breath away, to choke. You know, a general West Germanic word, cognate with Old Saxon, stupan. West Frisian, stupi. Middle Low German, stooping. Or stupening. Uh, old High German, stooping. Uh, German, stuffing. To plug, stop up. Old Low Frankish, be stupan. To stop the ears. These words are said by many sources to be dramatic barring of vulgar Latin. Old boys, stupai, stop or stuff with toe or oakum. Source of Italian, stupere, French, stupere, to stop with toe. From Latin, stupa, coarse part of flax toe. In support of this theory, it is said that plugs made of toe were used from ancient times in Rhine Valley. Barnhart proposes the whole Germanic uh, Germanic group might be native from a base stopon. Since a bringing or coming or, or coming to a halt is continued. Mid fifteen hundreds is from notion of preventing a flow by blocking a hole. And the word's development in this sense is unique to English, though it since has been widely adopted in other languages, perhaps influenced by Latin stupid. Be stunned, be stupefied, in transitive meaning, check oneself. 1540 is from the 1680s. 1540s 
mentally slow, lacking ordinary activity of mind, dull, from Middle French, stupid, and directly from Latin, stupidus, amazed, confounded, dull, foolish, literally struck senseless, from stupid, be stunned, amazed, confounded, from Proto-Indo-European, P-I-E, pi, stupid, hit, from root, stoop, to push, stick, not beat, um, related stupidly, stupidness, meaning make a halt or stay tarry, is from 1711. Meaning to make a halt or stay tarry is from 1711. So the word stop originated from an old Latin word, vulgar Latin word, stupere, to stop or stuff the tore oakum. And that came from I derived from um, a Latin word, stupir, to be stunned, be stupefied. And that came, and you can go to stupir, and it goes to um, stupidus, Latin word, stupidious, meaning amazed, confounded, dull, foolish. Stupidus means confounded, that's confused, struck senseless, stupir. Stupid. From the root stew to push, stick, knock, or beat. And you know, when uh, we get into that stupor, stupor, we're stunned, amazed, and confounded. By in the stupor, you know, but that's the stop sign. The stop sign, as far as etymology is concerned, is basically to stop up a hole. These words are said about, by many sources to be dramatic, borrowing the vulgar Latin, to stop or stuff, to toe or token. You know, it is from a notion of preventing a flow, or blocking a hole. You know, how many, how many days, you know, holes do we have within our spiritual astral body? They say we have seven, you know, it's more than that, but they say we have seven chakras in the chakra system or the human, the human uh, astral body that projects our physical body into uh, this reality, the third dimensional reality from a two-dimensional source. It's just like a, a credit card, basically, the back of a credit card holding information that when you put it, you know, somewhere or, or, or like a chip of a computer holding information, you put it in a computer, you know, the box, and then you put that little light on, then you had this thing we you know, you turn it on, you got a screen that we can look at, uh, third-dimensional reality. You get to store it on this two-dimensional space, this two-dimensional reality. And that's the, those are the chakras as well as the, the pomegranate, which is a two-dimensional reality that is the initial point of activity. So they're, they're attempting to stop that flow by slowing it down, basically, you know, bringing us to a halt or discontinuing the natural flow. You know, so the old saying is, once again, if you if they attempt to change the, the natural reality with the artificial reality, then, you know, the natural reality will fade away. The more people, you know, Focus on that natural reality, it, it will fade away. 
you know, so we're, we're not a synthetic reality. So that's the that's the etymology on as far as physically concerned with the physical eyes. Now let's go into the spiritual sense the intelligence of etymology with uh, STLP. I went into Hebrew a little bit. Um, Hebrew is, of course, a derivative of ancient metaneta. It basically is um, Egyptian or whatnot. Majority of the of the speech and the, the wordage, as well as the, the lettering and the, the whole philosophical and religious scientific aspects of um, Judaism and the Hebrew alphabet is based on uh, ancient Kemetic texts. The first letter is S, so we go to Samik. Samik, the ancient this uh, ancient way of saying it is sin. It equals uh, it, the symbol is a thorn. It means to grab, protect, hate, support. Um, there's also another S in the that S is the fifteenth letter. Fourteen, yeah. Fifteenth letter Shin is the nineteen. 22 letters, it's the 20, 1919 is actually Resh, so it's the 20th letter, 22 is Ta. Anyway, Shin is uh, is also an S, and it's two front teeth is the symbol. It means sharp, press, to eat. So either it means sharp, press, to or eat. Uh, ta is, is T. I mean, it's, it's symbol is two cross sticks. It means mark, sign, or signature. Going back to what we saw last week um, with the Karas body or the miraculous body, the DNA or the chromosome is a cross. You know, it's an X and there's two cross sticks. That's the, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the Ta, which means the mark, sign, or signature. Then we have um, O. O is Ainu, or Gan, is the ancient way of saying it, the ancient way of verbalizing it. And the symbol is an eye. It means watch, it means to know, or to shade. The last letter is P, which is pronounced in Hebrew as Pe. Its symbol is an open mouth. It means to blow, scatter. It also means the edge or open. So as I broke it down from Samek, Samik, um, Shin, Ta, Ayin, and Pei. I'm going to utilize both S's in some of the um, in some of the deciphering of, of STOP. So, first one is a sign. That's T, but you know, so a sign of the two. Two is Shin that protects protects the Samek. One who is aware. Aware is I aim to know of the breath that's um, pay or blow. So because you can take that um, blow to mean to blow air. We'll go back to last week's discussion where um, we'll be speaking on um, on discussing on that and it went to a flatus. Flatus means to to blow. So. Blow me means blowing air out. So bring all that together. It's a sign of the two that protects one who is aware of the intelligence. 
So the stop sign, when we look at it metaphysically, is a sign of the two that protects one who is aware of the breath of life or the intelligence. And who is the two? The sign of the two that protects the two is, of course, two energies that arise from the base root chakra, the Kundalini sleeping, and when it's awoken or awakened, it arises up to the Sushamana, Ida Pagala arises up to through the Indabagala, it rises up the Sushamana or the spine, and then relocates itself back into its origin of descent. It comes back, descends back up from where it originated from. And um, so when one is aware of that, that that's what we see, that S-T-O-P, I put that, or I put one of those pictures on the slide so that uh, S-T-T is the ancient, most crucial symbol, but basically it's talking about that energy that goes up the spine and then it connects at the top and forms uh, the enlightened one's wings of uh, transmutation as well as transportation. Remember the all-access path. It's the all-access path to your indwelling intelligence. Indwelling intelligence takes flight. It, it, it has no bounds. It has no limits. You know, it's just taking the thought away from what we call limits and when we are so uh when we're so caught up on linear thinking. So let's expand the mind and move upwards and elevate. Alright? So another way of looking at that is the sign that opens the eye of the two that protects. The sign is what's just talking and then the eye that opens the opens is paid Pay again is blow, scatter, edge, or open. And the eye is shin and protects is samik. So it's the sign that opens the eye of the two that protects. And again, the two that protects is Eden Bangala, Nehep, Nehep, and, and Washit. Um, it's the two energies that reside somewhat asleep in the base root chakra. They call Kundalini. Kundalini comes from the ancient Sanskrit word kanda, um, which means calling, basically. So this energy is calling there, and it's uh, you know scientifically proven that we do have that energy there called the, the blastula nerves or whatever. The um, also the the, my, the mitosis, the eight original cells that dwell in that area. We'll get into that in a few. Um, so and then, but also coming from the Kabbalah for the modern world by Majin Gonzalez Whippler on page seventeen and eighteen. Um, she states that the Hebrew alphabet. She states that according to Kabbalah, the twenty-two letters of the Hebrew alphabet are also archetypes of different states of consciousness. These are the different states in conjunction with STOP right here. So um, S is um, the archetype of female fertility. That's Samik. Shin is the archetype of spirit of God. Tau is the archetype of the cosmic existence, all the cosmic existences. Ein is the archetype of the illuminating principle of creation. 
And pay is the archetype of the enclosures of uninvolved cosmic energy or undifferentiated energy matter. So what I derived out of that was what the indwelling intelligence um, blessed me with or gifted me with is um, the illuminating, undifferentiated, fertile cosmic spirit. And that is, of course, melanin internally and externally. It is dark into dark matter. It is you. Okay, so the illuminating, undifferentiated, fertile cosmic spirit is what the stop sign is telling us through ancestral information or step down cosmic, galactic, solaric um, information. It's not saying stop. It's saying go, basically. But they, you know, they do their little trickery, you know, and it confounds the mind and stifles the mind, stifles our breathing. When we ain't breathing correctly, we ain't getting the correct amount of information uh, downloaded into this organic computer. Um, now, also, if you look at the word ST and OP, set is, of course, dark and whatnot, or mystery hidden, shot, but set dark. And ops is a Greek word for face. You know, when the Greeks came over into what we know as Kush, what we know as Ethiopia today, they renamed it or what they, they named the people, the people the people that dwelled there, our ancient brothers and sisters, they renamed it Ethiopia, ethos meaning burnt and ops meaning face. So Ethiopia means burnt faces or dark faces. But when you look at that, set ops up, set up, you're trying to set it up from sitting up. So stop also can mean dark faces. Stop the dark faces. Stop stop the Kushite, the original Kushite. Stop those who are the indigenous people of the planet Earth, who are all people of the planet Earth. You know what I'm saying? We are Africa. The whole world is Africa. You know what I'm saying? All right. Um, um, just to touch on that a little bit more, um, coming out of that old-time religion, the story of religious foundations by Jordan Maxwell, Paul Tyson, Alan Snow, with a commentary, with a chapter by Gerald Massey in here as well. I'm coming out of page 112 very briefly. It's almost like church something. There's a slice chakra church here. Get them chakras jumping and juicing, get the electricity, that lightning bolt going down and up. You know, and just come one way. Just come to all angles. You know, get them from every angle. All right? But right here, page 112, it states um, Yahweh or Jehovah was the creator God of this world, according to the Bible. He withheld knowledge from men, starting with the Garden of Eden, where he told Adam to eat not to eat of the tree of knowledge. He lied to them and told them in Genesis 3.3 3, that in the day that they eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die, referring to the fruit from the tree. The serpent in Genesis said, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That's Genesis chapter 3, verses 4-5. Now, considering that Adam lived to be 930 years old, who was telling the truth? Instead of dying when he ate the fruit, Adam's eyes became opened. Opened eyes, you know. Again, we go back to pay is open, eyes is eyes. 
with I. You know, so op face her, you know. But all right, so I became open and became like a god. Wisdom was bestowed upon Adam and Eve. It came from the serpent, Jesus. It came from the serpent. Jesus told his followers later on in the New Testament, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, encouraging them to pursue wisdom. And the wise serpent goes up the spine, and when they, the dove is a, a symbol of enlightenment, so the wings, you know, the wings, hidden wings right there. You know what I'm saying? So once those, that energy goes back up, that primal energy goes back up, we have initiated and gained that advancement to where we can self-cultivate, I mean, self-heal, self-rejuvenation. So it's a process to get to that point, but it don't, it ain't, it's, you know, it's achievable. Don't, you know, just don't sit down, you know, and say, yeah, I'm going to stop. You know, body in motion stays in motion. A body at rest stays at rest. As soon as somebody retired, like, a year later, they wondered why they got cancer because they sit around, God bless, you know what I'm saying? They sit around watching TV and eating that, whatever. But they, they stop moving. They stop living because they figure, oh, well, you know, you know, if I had the money when I retired or whatever, I would jump on the boat every day or something or do something, you know, with my time other than what I was doing when I took breaks and was off work. I love, love it all the same. All right, so that that was just a little excerpt out of that uh, old time religion, that old time religion right there. Something about how that snake energy, you know, in the even in the biblical sense, told them you surely won't die. You know what I'm saying? And what happened is they, you know, Adam inevitably, as the biblical scripture states, uh, lived to nine hundred and thirty years old. After he ate the fruit, I mean, you know, you know, tree of knowledge. You know, don't don't be knowledgeable. Stop, stop. Don't don't learn. Don't remember. Basically, learning means to remember. Memory. So now we're going to do another tips and tricks, somewhat like that, but it's feng shui and how it works. Um, see those bagwas? Uh, I think I put a bagua or the eight. Bagua means the symbols of eight or the eight signs. Uh, so that Bagua or Bakwa is, is on there next to the stop sign is what they want to start. They want us to, to get our, our true lessons, our edu- how we educated ourselves, how we brought it out of ourselves, that eight-sided figures, none other than our uh, mitosis and how it um, when connected properly will reawaken and go back up the spine and then, you know, through the spirit, through those different seven offices, that we call chakras within the subtle body and the physical body, it will uh, realign certain aspects of our inner qualities in our, into this external reality. It's just uh, pressing those buttons, basically, saying Josephine and properly aligned. So the term feng shui literally translates to wind and water in English. Feng shui is an ancient concept that refers to bringing peace and harmony, whether it's at home, at home. Whether they're at home or at work, in our daily requirements, assessments, or just one's personal life. It's a principle that some consider to be a new age concept that's based largely on superstition. Some believe that feng shui is nothing more than a cultural belief held by those who also practice modalities such as holistic medicine. 
But feng shui is a practice that dates back further than 6,000 B.C. And although it does mostly come from Chinese beliefs, today it initially came from India, which in turn was migrated there by the priesthood of ancient Kemet and Kush to Harappians or Dravidians. And this is come, I'm going to read this out of the African presence in early Asia by um, Renako Rashidi and co-edited by Ivan Van Sertema. This is page 45 um, through uh, 51. It ain't all the pages, but I've got some notes highlighted right here. Uh, the Venetian traveler Marco Polo, who visited extensively in South India, made a number of visibly detailed observations on the Dravidians with the following passage indicative of the blatant racial pride among them. It is a fact, this is what he stated, it is a fact that in this country when a child is born, they anoint him once a week with oil of sesame. And this makes him grow much darker than when he was born. For I assure you that the darkest man is here the most highly esteemed and considered better than the others who are not so dark. Let me add that in very truth, these people portray and depict their God in their idols black and the devil's white as snow. For they say that God and all the saints are black and the devils are all white. That is why they portray them as as I had described. And similarly, they make the images of their idols all black. And this is Marco Polo. Saying this, you know what I'm saying? It's mission. This dude who traveled the world a few times, seeing different things, Marco Polo. And he, uh, he said this about the Dravidians or the Harapians, the descendants of the Harapians. The above passage speaks for a Seventies little elaboration. The term Dravidian itself is apparently derived from an Aryan corruption of Tamil and encompasses both an ethnic type characterized by strength to wavy hair textures combined with distinct Afrocord physical characteristics. And a family of languages spoken by more than 100 million people, including, of course, Tamil itself, Telugu, Kannada, uh, Malayalam, from which the name for the Asian country Malaya is derived, and Tulu. It is now the widely prevalent view that the Afro-Dravidians were the founders of the great Indus Valley Kush complex. Um, they were the they were the hated Dasus and the Dasus of the Rig Veda, the perpetual adversaries of the invading Aryan nomadic tribe. These were the very same peoples, Dasus and Dasus, that later became the Sudras, the conquered black masses reduced in in Arvata to the status of of uh, slaves. As has been pointed as as it has been pointed out, the Arabian phase of the Indus Valley complex was already declined when the Aryan curses began to grow from a small trickle to a mighty torrent. The Aryans were undeniably responsible responsible for the ultimate and amazingly complete destruction of the Indus Valley complex and most of the identified Indus sites ceased to be inhabited and most of the Indus sites ceased to be inhabited at the time. Those blacks who had continued to people the Indus sites during the decline but prior to the massive Aryan influx either lost their lives during the Holocaust or fled the region entirely with their remarkable cities ablaze behind them. I'm going to jump down here to um, the next part of the lands, the blacks migrated to were both within and without India. Thus, for example, we might point to the, to the tradition preserved by the early Christian writer Eusebius, who states that in the reign of Amenhotep um, III, the body of Ethiopians migrated from the country about the Indus and settled in the valley of the Nile. The profundity of the just quoted passage is magnified when one considers that the reign of Amenhotep Third, fourteen seventeen to thirteen seventy nine, 
uh, before the common era in the Nile Valley is contemporaneous is contemporaneous with the Aryan incursions in the Indus Valley. All right, black power in Southeast Asia. The initial kingdoms of Southeast Asia emerged by the third century. The region first attracting attention as a rich source of coal, forest, and mineral products, all of which were extremely valuable. In order to secure regular access to these products, small colonies of Indian merchants were gradually established at strategic points throughout the area. With these Indians came their ideas about government, architecture, literature, religion, etc. Through the impetus, through the impetus of the um, Indian colonies, including strong Dravidian elements and the native genius of the indigenous mind or ostrich populations, which were both highly African and numerically significant, came the first Southeast Asian states. The first kingdom of Southeast Asia is called Hunan and located in what is now southern Kampuchea or Cambodia in Vietnam. Chinese historians who visited the area described the Hunanese men as small and black and detailed a picture of the safe anchorage in large warehouses offered to the numerous merchant fleets, which frequently passed through the area. All right, good, thanks. So what they're basically saying that, um, that the, Indus, the Indus Valley was, was first inhabited by small little and new people, you know, the Twa people, and uh, or Patai peoples, our ancient brothers and sisters, that diasporaed out of out of Kush into uh, Egypt and eventually into Mesopotamia area of Syria, Samaria, and then on up into the Indus Valley, Indus Valley Kush, and then up into China, where Feng Shui was developed. All right, the Feng Shui is not indigenous to China. All right, so. Um, just going back into that, almost 6,000 years ago, people in India began practicing Vastu Shastra. Vastu Shastra literally means science of dwelling, or ancient Sanskrit manuscript architecture. These continue. These contain, I mean, these contain Vastu Vidya, literally knowledge of dwelling. This practice laid its ideologies in the belief that architectural structures such as buildings and houses contain parts of each of the five elements, earth, water, fire, air, and space and that these structures had a great impact on the world around them. Remember that a structure can also be the physical body or the temple. Temple means complete. Tim means complete. And plus, you change the L to R, means shrine or house, or it also can mean to go or to go forth. So it was the complete shrine or to go forth, complete, or the house that's complete, the shrine that's complete, the whole message. All right, so these elements come from the building's energy, energy that every building and structure contains. It was 3,000 years after India began practicing Vastu Shastra that monks crossed through Tibet and into China. It was at that time that the Chinese also began practicing the belief. Although they changed and established it to fit their own unique culture, it was here that Feng Shui initiated through its roots, though its roots were still widely based on Vastu Shastra principles that's coming out of India. Feng Shui is the observation that the way buildings, houses, and each cities are organized greatly influences and are organized and how it greatly influences the flow of peace and harmony within that space. Space is probably the biggest factor in Feng Shui, which in the Western world there is difficulty accepting. Believers of Feng Shui believe that everybody 
and every structure has its own energy, and that the spaces we occupy greatly affect the way our lives play out. When designing a structure based on feng shui views, the idea is to create a natural path for the energy to flow through and to remove and to remove or change things that could block the flow of energy or stop the flow of energy. Whereas the Western world mainly concerns itself with building structures that are well designed and, to, and nice to look at, feng shui disciples focus on how structures flow and move to create balance and peace. With balance, balance. Lord, if you like. The symbols of feng shui are, or there are five main symbols of feng shui. Uh, they're mainly earth, such as rocks and ceramics, fire, uh, like candles and fireplaces, metal, electronics and silver picture frames, water, uh, for instance, uh, aquariums or fountains, uh, and wood, such as a living plant or tree. These elements can either work together to form a smooth and seamless cycle or when things are out of balance, they can work against each other to cause a disturbance in the cycle. A balanced cycle works so that the wood produces fire, fire then produces earth, which produces metal, and then metal produces um, water. Because wood feeds the fire, the fire is blazing good, you know, and then the fire, it melts down. Into uh, and produces earth, and then the earth produces metal because the fire. Because when you got wood burning through the fire, it produces ashes, right? Earth. Then that fire, then or that those ashes or the earth produces metal because uh, fire was burning down metal. I mean, burning down the when it gets into makes earth, it turns into minerals and metals. Minerals is also filled with oxygen or the lungs, but the, that metal produces when that metal is uh, broken down properly, it produces water. Uh, so, which in essence, water goes back and produces wood or liver energy. And just thinking about the colors of uh, of the stop sign with the red and white, uh, metaphysically. Red is the color of courage, uh, exorcism, health, lust, passion, protection, sex, and strength. White is the color of peace, protection, purification, sincerity, and truth. So if you look at it, is it balanced? It starts on balance with um, a unification where you have a, not a seesaw effect where one is going up one going down, where they both are. You know, you're weighing the heart against the feather right there. The heart is the red and uh, the feather is the white. It looks like it's more red on there than the white. So that fire energy is burning out the lung energy. Fire is in, in corresponds to um, the heart and or red and blood as well. Lungs corresponds to um, metal, also to oxygen. So with all that red on there, oxygen basically meaning air or breath or, you know, intelligence. All that red right there is burning out the truth, which is, you know, basically that white truth, sincerity, purification, protection, and peace. It's burning out that. I mean, we have the color of red has protection in there as well. And it goes right back into uh, what we're speaking on as far as uh, stop 
stop S-T-O-P, meaning one one aspect is a sign of the two different checks one who is aware of the breath of life. So when we're aware of it, you know, we can balance it out in our mind, no circle, circle, dot, dot, dot. Now I got my cootie shot. Yet still, I mean, people in the world stop the stop sign. It's like, man, damn, man, I'll stop sign. But see, it's still a lot of red going on right there that's burning out the white, burning out the spirit or the breath. So we there we holding our breath, you know, just meditate through it a little bit, get a couple of deep conscious breaths while we, while we had that stop sign. And remember what the stop sign means. It don't necessarily mean stop. Stop means to plug up, stop the flow of, of uh, spirit to them. You know, you know, internally that's what's going on too, because that's where the definitive has been. So now you look at it from a different aspect. Uh, stop means something different. The, it's the it's the illuminating, undifferentiated, fertile cosmic spirit. You know, what I'm saying it's it's uh, the sign that opens the eye of the two that protect. All right. Let's get back into it, to the read right here. When the cycle is off balance, there are many different things that can go wrong. Wood can overburden the earth, and the earth could come, uh, could begin to block or stop the water. Wood penetrates earth. So if the liver is too active, then it can bounce into the earth with the spleen and cause insulin to either be too much insulin because we're eating sugar all day, and that is going to cause the insulin to, to be depleted after a while in the spleen to not be able to center the body and create those enzymes, those enzymic reactions. Right, but over, um, wood can overburden the earth, and the earth could begin to block or stop the water. Fire could also begin to melt metal, and earth could douse the fire. Although when speaking about the location of objects within a home or office, these elements aren't actually working in this way, they are obstacles that could block or stop the natural flow of energy. The yin-yang symbol is one that most people know and can quickly recognize from the Chinese culture. This symbol shows two teardrop shapes as permeating, two teardrop shapes permeating inside of each other. One is black while the other is white, and each has a tiny dot within it of the opposing color. This implies that simply they are opposites of each other, yet when united, they complement each other from a whole, to form a whole. That's an ancient Chinese saying, du li tang yi. They are the only two opposite forces that form the whole. Um, That's something I had had, uh, noted. This implies that simply they are opposites of each other, yet when united, they complement each other to form a whole. One cannot exist without the other even, though they have such opposing meanings. The black side is in, and it's thought to represent femininity, softness, nighttime, and passivity. The white side is yarn, and it's thought to represent masculinity, daytime, warmth, and activity. Bagua or Pakwa equals eight symbols. Simbal, black lords. Sim is also an ancient word for Ra. So it's uh, the Ra, the Lord, the light, or the life force, the Lord, the life force of the, um, the Lord, symbol. The symbols is intelligence, so it's the life force of the Lord. Sim also is an ancient committee or metaneta word for uh, high priest or priest. So it's uh, the priestly Lord symbol. That's, you know, that's who, that's what we breathe in. Then. The priestly Lord is uh, none other than Tauti, but that's wisdom. Um, Bagua is a very important concept in feng shui. This idea relies on boxes which can advance into grids that make up the most important elements and principles of feng shui. Containment in these boxes 
are numerous elements and symbols, all of which come together to form a complete and balanced picture, the whole message. When first speaking of Bagua, you must first recognize the concept behind the low shoe square. This square is three columns down and three rows across. Within each row are three different blocks, each with its own number, element, and symbol. The symbols are small images made up of tiny blocks within themselves, and these symbols simply represent what lies within that square. So I put it on the slide, show those bagwas. Uh, I know I put one on there, at least. The numbers in the first row goes across as 4, 9, and 2. The second row of numbers within the boxes reads as 3, 5, and 7. And the last row of numbers reads 8, 1, and 6. This is so the numbers add up to 15 vertically, horizontally, and diagonally. And when you add up all those three sets of numbers, you have 666, the 15 equals 6 on each side, 4, 9, and 2. That's, uh, of course, it's 4 plus 9 is uh, 14, I mean, thir 13 plus 2 is 15, 1 and 5 is, of course, 15, I mean, 6. And that goes on to 8, 1, 6, you know, and so on and so on. But they all add up to uh, 15, and then they add up to 6. And, but uh, Bagua Grid is also... The Loshu um, Square can stand on its own to help appreciate different Chinese principles, but the Bagua Grid is also a way for scholars to connect the elements with the square. So 1 plus 8 equals 9. So that's spirit 1 plus mitosis equals you. You know, the birth cycle, but not. Okay. We're going to go into the First World Order by Dr. Asuru Nu Tupac Alim El Bay. Thanks to the brother how all this information. If you ain't got this book yet, you need to get it because you got everything in there. Trust. All right, 346. No, yeah, page 346. Stays right here. Um, in the ancient time of uh, Kamaki and Egyptian Metaneta, Atum emerged from Nun, the feminine, and or Nu, the masculine, and Atum itself means Ox, father, um, mother. All right? It was Atum, the knee, he, that which was the first or number one who created the Ogad. Shu, Tefnut, Gab, Nuts, Asuru, Aset, Set, Nephet, or, which is referring to the eight divided cells of mitosis. All right, so. That relates to the eight divided cells. One plus eight equals nine. Um, when you uh, when you do six plus six plus six, you get eighteen. You know, so this is the mark of the beast that they talk about. Bast. You know, what I'm saying, see the soul by ast. And the mark of the beast ain't no mark of no beast in that manner. It's controlling the beastly nature of man, the animalistic nature of man through man, through mind. You know, it's just bringing that, that carnal or that primal energy back up. You know what I'm saying? That goes right back to the stop sign again, you know, where you have the two, uh, the two that protects one who is aware of the breath. Where the intelligence within, you know. Okay, so the whole message about that stop sign is that it's an internal thing, not an external thing. We get back to the read where we at 
Uh, the Bagua grid is created when the elements from the Moshu square are used to form a hexagon of the same elements in the same position. Uh, this grid is then used to determine where objects should be placed within a home or office. To make this determination, the black portion of the grid must be placed at the entrance of the home so that the rest of the grid would expand out into the home. Black representing creation. The element of um, black is, is water, mem, and move. Well, move, remember, mem means blood, chaos, mighty, or water, all representing creation. Um, it would then be quite clear as to where certain objects should be placed, but of course you need to know that what objects would be considered to be gray and which objects would considered to be red. Is when understanding of feng shui and the meaning of the colors comes into play. Black symbolizes career, which can be deciphered as mirrors of fountains. This is one reason why mirrors in the entrance of homes are so common and why fountains can be found in the lobbies of businesses. Blue represents skills and wisdom, so objects related to this color would be objects such as computers and books. So in a home, the office or den of a green to feng shui should be placed to the left of the entranceway. And you look at that slideshow or Get your own uh, feng shui, um, download a feng shui picture, GPEF, good book. Uh, Move yourself to change your life. How to use feng shui to get love, money, respect, and happiness by Karen Rouge Carter. Uh, Yeah, this is pretty good reading. I've had it. It's good. It works. I mean, it is. The old saying is uh, about magic, that's what we're looking at in life, is that the most basic of all magical laws is magic always works. Remember that. It always works. um, So in the home, the office or den is the green feng shui should be placed to the left of the entranceway. The green area is a decent spot for things like plants and family pictures due to it implying family and the purple zone will be a good place for things like pictures of sailboats or other things pertaining to water. Because purple symbolizes prosperity, this will be the best area of the home for your aquarium. Red is a great place to display different awards, degrees, or diplomas because red suggests fame and reputation. Peak fittingly symbolizes love and relationships, so in this area it's important that harmonizing items are placed such as matching bookends or a pair of comfortable chairs. Pictures of you and your spouse or you and your loved ones are also encouraged. Why is said to be a place for children and creativity? Feng Shui principles state that this area must be kept extremely clean in order to produce children who are well-behaved. The gray area is characteristic of helpful people, helpful people and travel, so this is a good place to keep travel souvenirs and maybe even your religious items. Yellow, the central area, is an interesting color within the Bagua grid, a piece of this color which represents health should be present in every area of the home. Scattering around stones or keeping different pieces of the pottery in these areas will be sufficient according to feng shui's principles. Going back to yellow center, uh, it's the central area. Solar plexus, sacral region, going up to the heart. That's the head of rule region, the golden aerial region. The color yellow is good. The color to use in visualization or a yellow candle uh, lit. While uh, going through what we was doing earlier, the metanetto get that is a good read, but apply it, you know, in your life, and you'll see that indwelling intelligence pop out. You see that cross body start really uh, having an effect in your life, spiritually and physically. Um, all right, so 
scatter those yellow that the yellow stones around the house or whatever, you know, you get it earthy in a little bit. Uh, uh, one of the attributes of the color yellow is the spleen, but the element is earth, and that's, that's also dealing with Tahuti as well. So that's uh, that's uh, wisdom externalized. I um, through she or through he is uh, his surname is Fong. Fong meaning wind again simplified. It's a Chinese surname for Fu Shi or Fu He. It's our first world order. Again, uh, states right here, according to Ancient Future by Wayne B. Chandler, he states that the I Ching was an invention of a man, Chinese called Fu He, who was from West Africa and a divinatory or a witch doctor of the Ifa Oracle system. Baba. Uh, Tahuti, uh, well, yeah, of the Ifo Oracle system. Okay? So that, that's Fuhi, uh, and his surname is Fang in Chinese. Uh, let me briefly go over something real quick. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's the creation myth in Chinese. In China, Pangu, it can also be equated to Paku, is defined in two ways. One means in literal translation, basin, ancient, the other is basin, solid, solid, basin, solid. Basin means an open, usually circular vessel with sloping or curving sides, used typically for holding water, for washing, for washing. Metaphysically deciphered as the aboriginal abyss. Or the primeval, primeval waters of noon, the black dot, the point, so es- essence, the Einstein Rossi bridge, the two dimensional reality, a door, or El Dalif. Haku was the creation god in Chinese mythology. He was said to be a giant sleeping in the egg of chaos. We've heard that before in the Dogon mythology, in the Dogon mystery system, Polio. As he awoke, he stood up and separated the sky and the earth. That's the mind and the body. Pangu then died after standing up, and his body turned into rivers, mountains, plants, animals, and everything else in the world. Well, it was the body. That equates to the fascia, the muscles, all those things breaking up with the fascia, the muscles, the tendons, the ligaments, the organ systems, the blood, the hair, and so on and so on. Within the world was a powerful being known as Husu. To follow the dictates of one's own mind and heart. That's what Husu means that and the principle behind that word in Chinese is to follow the dictates of one's own mind and heart. I simplify that as the spine, because if you ain't got a spine, then you follow the dictates of someone else. Husu conceived twins, a brother and sister, Fuhi and Nuwa. Those are the two sacral nerves combining and unifying both the left and right hemispheres of the Fuhi. And Nuwa are said to be creatures that have faces of humans and bodies of snakes. I put that on the slideshow as well. Those two um, um, serpentine-type figures intertwined, um, bodies of snakes, we, who are said to have to be creatures that have faces of humans and bodies of snakes, as the primal energy elevating up the spine to unite the two hemispheres of the brain. Fuhi was known as the original human, Adam Cadman, or the primordial human, in uh, judistic or Kabbalistic terms, 
although technically speaking, he was not a human. And he was also said to be born in the lower middle regions of the Yellow River, at the lower Dantian area, the sacral and solar plexus chakras, had to rule the house of light, where we create from, in a place called Shinji. According to classical mountains and seas, Fuhi and Nuwa were the original humans who lived on the mythological Kulu Mountain. Um, one day, they set up two separated piles of fire, and the fire eventually became one. Uh, this is my italics right here. According to the yogis, there are two nerve currents in the spinal column called Pangala and Aida, and, how, and a hollow canal called Sushumana running through the spinal cord. At the lower end of the hollow canal is what the yogis call the lotus of Kundalini. They describe it as a triangulated, a tri- they describe it as triangulated form in which the symbolic language of the yogis, um, there is a power called the Kundalini, or cord up. The Kundalini is coiled up. When the Kundalini awakes, it tries to force the passage through this hollow canal, and it, as it rises step by step, as it were, layer after layer of the mind becomes open, and all the different visions and wonderful powers come to the yogi. When it reaches the brain, the yogi is perfectly detached from the body and mind, and the soul finds itself free. We know that the spinal cord is composed of, a, of in a, uh, is composed of a peculiar, oh, in a, yeah, in a peculiar manner. If we take the figure eight horizontally, Lay it on the side. There are two parts which are connected in the middle. Suppose you add eight after eight piled on top of the other. That will represent the spinal cord. The left is the eater, the right pangala, and that hollow canal which runs through the center of the spinal cord is the sushumana, where the spinal cord ends in some of the lumbar vertebrae. A fine fiber issues downward, and the canal runs up even with that fiber. That's the vagus nerve. If I'm not mistaken, only much finer. The canal is closed at the lower end, which is situated near what is called the sacral plexus, which, according to modern physiology, is triangular in form. The different plexuses that have their centers in the spinal canal can very well stand for the different doses of the yoke. Under the fire, they decided, and this goes back into uh, the description of what took place in the creation story of Chinese mythology. Under the fire, they decided to become husband and wife. Fuhi and Nuwa used clay. Um, that's nature, Natir, Nijir. Um, Floor to First World Order again, page 346. I'm telling you, this got all type of information in here. Work, work. Uh, 346 states right here that um, Adam was made from black mud, therefore, one man, Eve, was made from Adam, Atim, or Atum. At is an ancient Kemetic word that means father, and Um means mother. New earth, your mother and father again. In Kamaat, Egypt, and Atum emerged from Nu. Masculine male father, none. Feminine female mother, or rather composed of Adam, Atum. All right, so under the father, they decided to become husband and wife, who he and Nuwa used clay. It's that black mud right there. That's the Adam, or the first cell, you know what I'm saying? So let me get back in that in a minute. Uh, <clears throat> use clay and to create offsprings, and with the divine power, Nejir Haiku, they made the clay figures come alive. This clay, These clay figures were the earliest human beings. During the time of his predecessor, Nuwa, who according to some sources was also his wife and or sister, Society was matriarchal and primitive. Childbirths were seen to be miraculous, not requiring the participation of the male, and offspring only knew their mothers. 
You know, you go out to asexually lay in the sun and bam, get that life force energy having babies. You know, you know what I'm saying? And they were intersexual, I mean they were um and driving as well. So, you know, in the beginning there was uh, yet no more social order. Then came Fuhi, and he looked upward and contemplated the images in the heavens and looked downward and contemplated the appearances on earth. The united man and wife regulated the five stages of change and laid down the laws of humanity. He devised the eight trigrams in order to gain mastery over the world. Um, Chinese, mythology, this is, uh, Chinese mythology, an introduction by Anne Barrera states right here, You forgot, forged the mountain of Dragon Pass and then called it Dragon Gate. He came to an empty cavern several tens of leagues deep and so pitch black that he could go no further. So you carried a fire torch on his back and went forward. There was a beast that looked like a hog and it held a night shining pearl in its mouth, the light of which was like a torch. The hog representing the lower self, one aspect of the lower self, in the sleep state, but it has a light going forth in the darkness. There was also a green dog. All right, green representing the heart chakra, um, which barked and ran on ahead. You reckoned that he must have gone 10 leagues, and he uh, lost track of whether it was day or night. Suddenly he was aware that it was gradually getting a bit lighter, and he noticed the hog, and he, he, he didn't know where he was at. He was uh, a little confounded right there with day or night, right, you know, light, darkness. Said Haru. Haru said, suddenly he was aware that it was grass and getting a bit lighter, and he noticed the hog and the dog coming toward him. And as they did, they changed to human form, both wearing dark clothes, both wearing melanin, both were inside internally. And, okay, he also noticed a guy with a, serp- with a serpent's body and a human face. And so you had talked with him. The guy that once showed you a part of the eight trigrams spread out on top of a bench of gold. And there was eight guys in attendance on all sides. He said, who, who Su gave birth to a sage child? Was it you? He answered, who Su is the goddess of the nine rivers, and she gave birth to me. Then he reached for a jade tablet and handed it to you. It was one foot, two inches long, and it contained all the numbers of the 12 hours, which would enable you to make a calculation of heaven and earth. As soon as you held the tablet, he brought order to the flooded land. The God with the serpent's body was Fu, was Fu He, the August. Lady Yun Hu was the 23rd daughter of the Queen Mother and the younger sister of Princess Tachin. Her personal name was Yao Ti. She had been granted techniques of causing whirlwinds, fusing, sus- fusing substances, creating mirage visions, refining divine beings, and flying away in different shapes and forms. She happened to be roaming away from the area of the East Sea and was passing by the river when Mount when Mount Wu came into view, its peaks and cliffs jutted out sharply and wooded ravines with darkly beautiful gigantic rocks like an, um, like an earthly altar. She lingered there for a long while. At that time, Yu the Great was controlling the floods and was living near the mountain. A great wind suddenly came, making the cliff shudder and the valleys collapse. There was nothing Yu could do to prevent. Then he came upon the lady and bowing to her. He asked her for her help. She at once commanded her handmaids to bring Yu the Book of Rules and Orders for Demons and Spirits then she ordered spirits, her spirits, Kong Shang, Yu Yu, Hong Mo, Tai Yi, King Xing, and Tung Lu, and others to help you to uh, hold the rocks in order to clear the spurting waves and to dredge block riverbeds to conduct water through the narrow places 
so as to ease the flow of water. You bow to them and thank them for their help. You wish to visit the lady on the summit of the soaring pinnacle, but before he could look around, she had turned into a rock. Now she suddenly flies around this person to light clouds, which grows dense, then stops and condenses into an evening shower. Now she turns into a roving dragon, now into a soaring crane. She takes on thousands of appearances, 10,000 shapes. It was impossible to approach her. I, so I'm just a uh, brief uh, synopsis on that. You is, means Jade, basically, but uh, it's the name of the dude running through, you know, just on his journey, but he gets to this point called Mountain, to this mountain called Dragon Pass. And then, it, then it's called the Dragon Gate. Um, basically, that's Dragon is um, it's all the primal energy as it goes back up. You know, Dragon spirals up spine. Take the word backwards, it was Naga, Nagarad. So the, the red dragon on uh, the physical aspect as it goes back up meets with the uh, higher aspect of the yellow dragon and the, the white dragon to the breath. The white dragon is the breath of the lungs. The red dragon is representative of the heart, the south. And uh, to go north is the black dragon that's up. All right, but um, so he saw the green dog right there. And the green is representative of the liver. So he's seen that he went through the blood, but, the, you know, it's also representative of my eye. And then the, the pig had the light in his mouth, so the pig was attempting to become what a hog uh, has light. So it was a trap in his physical or in the corner uh, ways of a hog. But then when he got closer, he seen both of them change the human forms wearing dark clothes. He also noticed a guy with a serpent's body in the human face. So those two that he saw first was inter- it's all internal. He's in a dark place he inside. He's meditating on these things. The internal energy of, of Edom Kungalo and the left and right sacraments, again, that the word snake energy supposedly uh, is uh, Fu He, that's the spine. And then uh, he asked about the birth of all that. The guidance of the nine rivers, and you know the nine rivers correlates to um, the eight river or reservoirs, basically, in uh, traditional Chinese medicine, as far as acupuncture is concerned. And then that one, that one um, conduit of the pineal gland, whatnot, making it one and eight, but also one and eight dealing with mitosis. Um, the reservoirs aren't spoken much on as much as the twelve meridians in traditional Chinese medicine, but for acupuncture, but um, the, those rivers are very important. I mean, those reservoirs are very important. They call the rivers actually the meridians, and the reservoirs are the, are, are called the reservoirs. But the nine rivers that gave birth to to me is what um, is what who he later found out who he told him. But go down here, Lady Yung Ho, Yung Hu was the twenty third daughter of the Queen Mother. Yung Hu is another aspect of Hu Su. Who is the wife, or the, the um, she's the uh, sister, or whatnot of of, of Fu He? So twenty three. Get back to, but you see, she was switching up. She kept changing forms, transforming into whatever. So that's melanin, you know, what I'm saying external. That's dark energy, a dark matter, basically, because melanin takes on all forms of physical reality. That's mother energy through um the creative aspect of uh, of life. All right, so we get back to this. Um, 
I'll go back to First World Order, 34.6. Right here it says, uh, according to Demetra, Adam's normal value was 46. There is an esoteric indication of you get, how you get Adam is uh, 1 plus 4, 1, A, D, 4, that's 5, then 1 again, A, and 13, M is 4, so 1 and 4 is, that's uh, 5 and 5, but you get 4 and 6 as well, because, uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, basically 2 plus one A and A is two plus the four on the D is six, and then you got the four left over from thirteen. That's forty-six. So its numerical value is forty-six. Therefore, an esoteric indication of the twenty-three chromosomes of man and twenty-three chromosomes of woman. So when you're looking at that right there, it says she was the twenty-third daughter. His little subtle hints and clues, you know, you follow, follow through, you know, some of our research. You see everything connects. The twenty-third daughter, of queen, of queen mother. And the younger sister, Princess Tashin. So, uh, so the 23 chromosomes of women and 23 chromosomes of men equal 46 that produce life. Um, the human chromosome, according to geometria or Hebrew numerology, um, it equals that. It equals, um, oh, well, 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 Human chromosome according to the metric and uh, the atom number value is 46, the marital value is 46. All right, so the 23rd hexagram and the I chain means break apart. In DNA, irregularities occurs every 23rd astronaut. Dr. Max Cruz says that there are about 100 million pairs of nucleotide bases distributed among the 46 chromosomes in a single human cell. Uh, out of atom Okay, uh, human cells. 64 also equals the 64 permutations of DNA or the 64 hexagrams of the I chain. Moreover, the number 46 is the reverse of the number 64. And 4 and 6 equals 10, which means which in uh, numerology represents completion. All right? Um, and over here on page 350, very briefly, um, Tehuti, Duke's Formulas, means wisdom of light. Um, the book, 42, 42 books of instructions, or the 42 books of Tehuti, describe instructions for achieving immortality. Um, so, 42 plus the two more books, the theoric and astral counterparts, kept separately, marrying 42 plus 2 plus 2 equals 46. 4 plus 6 again equals 10. And as in the tree of life or the ten spirits of light, chromosomes and the sacred geometry embedded in the Great Pyramid or the temple, your physical body, the Prince, uh, the Per Ankh, House of Life, there are sixty four there are sixty four, the six plus four equals ten, as in the tree of life or ten spirits, um, codons, coding two amino acids, proteins, definitely forty two uncoded, non coded which scientists refer to as junk DNA. Okay? All right, finishes out right here. Traditionally, who he is reflected as the designer of the I Ching, also known as the Yi Ching or Zhao Yi, which work is recognized as such due to due to his reading of the He Map. He is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. He means um, breath spirit or also the intelligence, breath of life. 
ISO and or it is also um heat map also means the yellow river map. According to to this tradition, Fuhi had the arrangement of the trigrams of the I team revealed to him in the markings on the back of a mythical dragon horse that emerged from the Luau River. Alright. This is gonna be some fun right here. If you got pen and paper, now it's time to get it. Cause, uh, um it took me a minute to do this. I might not ever do it again. It's, these are the 42 so-called negative professions. And um, when I first started dealing with them, like on a meditative aspect, doing the actual um, the morning and night you know, way into the heart ceremony, I was doing it um you know, I decided not to do it in the in the in layman's terms. I decided to go my own route. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but then I got into I got involved with Dr. Aline's school, Dr. Aline, and uh, the Queen Kadira School Healing Wings Institute, and uh, they was breaking it down with the actual the work. You know, the committee. But I was like, hey, you know what? How about let's make this? I am affirmation. You know what I'm saying? So what I did was I decided to put the new poo in there with each of the deities in place of just saying, you know, like, uh, hell, you sick nimitz, who comes forth from a new, I have not committed sin. Like in the morning, you know, at night, for me in the morning, I would say, new poo, you sick nimitz. Well, I do say, I still, I, I pick a day out of the week and I go through the whole thing too. Took me a minute. It took a minute to put them to memory, submit them to memory like that. I did ten, ten a week for a minute. It's been like two years now, or something like that. But this is it, it coincides with the forty-two. In my own perspective, you know, the ancestors would be doing some things. You know, what I'm saying, Ox Stark, be letting some information bridge across. So the the forty-two. In the same way, like Dr. Aline was talking about, when you breathe, when you take it in, like if it's new poop, you breathe in, new poop, you sick nimitz, and then you push it down with love and tension to the heart, and you breathe out. So you can hold it how you want to hold it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you all 42 with the actual, like I said, I had to go back and get the uh, definitions. I had to get the definitions of them because I was going off of something I got off the Internet and then I was looking in the First World Order book and cross-reference, cross and some of the cities that were, or the locations that were owned, like I am from a new, I am from, you know, Pernet, they didn't coincide with what was on the um, the PDF I had. And the, the meanings were all, like, gruesome, barbaric. I mean, some of them are still, like, may have that, that type of uh, feel, but... It, it is what it is. It's no good or evil involved in this. It's reawakening uh, what they call junk DNA, but it's going to give you that light to those, those uh, you know, to that to that spectrum of your reality within, you know, a little bit. So, you know, we like I said, these are I am affirmations and praise affirmations. So in the morning, I'll be like, I'll say new poo, and then at night I'll so I new poo, you know, new poo you sick in that, and then at night is dual you sick in that. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say them and I'm gonna sell them and give you the 
and give you the uh, actual uh, definition of each one. All right, so Nuku Nusek Nimet. Of course, Nuku N U K P U. I'm not going to spell that anymore. Nusek is U S E K H hyphenated N E M M T, and that means far strider. F A R strider. All right, second one is Hepket H E P T hyphenated K H E T. That's K H E T. It means fire embracer. It's fire embracer. Three is fifty. That's um, F E N T I. It means nosy. Like I said, it took me a minute to get these definitions. <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, number four is Am Kabet. That's eater of shades. Am Kabet is A M K H A I B I T. Eater of shades. Number five, Nahar, N E H A hyphenated H E R, to advance. A scribble scribble right there. To advance one's uh, Nahar, Er has a lot of different meanings. To advance one's life. I know Nahar is, uh, I have to look that up again, but let's keep it moving. That's number five. Um, I can go back and get that, though. Don't worry about it. I will get that. Number uh, number six is Ruruti, R-U-R-U-T-I. That means double lion, double lion. Um. Then we have number seven is Afi Mcat. Afi Mcat is A R F I hyphenated E M K H E T. That means bundle of fire. So Nupu, you know Afi Mcat. I am a bundle of fire. Um, what was that? What was that word? Nahafer. Okay, so uh, the next one is Neba. That's N-E-B-A. It means Lord. So Nupu Neba. I am the Lord. Next one is uh, Set Kasu. S-E-T hyphenated Q-E-S-U. Bone breaker. Bone breaker. Next, number 10 is Yutu Neseret. That's U-T-U hyphenated N-E-S-E-R-T. That means green aflame. Number 11 is Kariti. That's Q-E-R-R-T-I. The double caverns. Basically, the two minds. I am the double caverns on both sides. Number 12 is her F half. That's H-E-R hyphenated F, hyphenated H-A, hyphenated F, her F half. He whose face is behind him. Thirteen is Basti, B-A-S-T-I, the wanderer. It's the wanderer. 
right? Tavritio, number 14. That's T-A hyphenated R-E-T-I-U. That equals the fire of the two doors. Number 15 is Unim Senef, U-N-E-M hyphenated S-N-E-F. That's blood eater. 16 is Unim Unim Basek. That's U-N-E-M hyphenated B-E-S-E-K. Eater of entrails. Number 17 is Neb Ma'at. N-E-B hyphenated M-A-A-T. That equals Lord of Truth. Then we go to Tenemu. Tenemu is T-E-N-E-M-I-U. That means the two worms. That's Eden Bagala. Alright, that's that's never hot in Washa. Number nineteen is Sertiu. That's S E R T I U. That equals the two nostrils. Twenty is Tutu. That's T U T U. That means the two mountains. Um Number 21 is Uamiti. Uamiti. That's U A M E N T I. The path to the underworld. Anuk Uamiti. I am the path to the underworld. All right, so Anupu. Anupu Uamiti. Number 22 is Ma'a Anta. That's M-A-A hyphenated A-N-T-U-F. Number 23 is Her-Yuru. That's A-T-R-O. Ma'a-Antef means he who sees who he brings. He who sees who he brings. Her-Yuru. H-E-R-U-R-U. That's A-T-R hyphenated U-R-U. It means he who is over the older one. Number 24, Kimiyu, K-H-E-M-I-U. It equals key of darkness. Number 25, Shatkaru. S-H-E-T hyphenated K-H-E-R-U. That means secret mystery of the voice. Nekhenu. That's N-E-K-H-E-N-U. And that equals bringer of his offerings. Twenty-seven. Kinemiti. That's Kinemiti. Kinemti. Kinemti. That's K E N E M T I. Kinemti. It equals the two nurses. In other words, Wasat and Nekabat, or Asat and Heteru, the 
two nurses. And these are the assessors of our saw. So to to open up or to actually access also, this is what the initiates would go through day and night to get that, you know, that pond going and jumping and juiced up, getting all that juice into the, getting that light back into those uh, dormant cells and whatnot. Let's get back into it. Number 28, on the A-N hyphenated, H-E-T-E-P hyphenated F, and that equals bringer of his father. Number 29, Sarakaru, S-E-R-A hyphenated, K-H-E-R-U. That means voice of the everlasting prince. Nebharu, number 30, N-E-B hyphenated, H-E-R-U. That's the Lord of Light. Okay. Number um, 31, S-E-K-H-R-I-U. That means celestial existence. So it's Nupu Sekiriyu. I am celestial. I am the celestial existence. Back to the stop sign again. Um, let's keep moving up. Uh, Neb Abuwa. N-E-B. A B U I, Lord of the Hearts, Lord of Hearts. Uh, number thirty-three, Nephitim. That's N E F E R T E M. That equals beautiful, complete. Number 34, Tim Sepu, the complete crown. Number 35, Ari M. Abf. That's A-R-I hyphenated E-M hyphenated A-B hyphenated F. That means creator within my heart. The creator within my heart. So Nupu Ali M Abet. 36, Ahi. Ahi has two meanings. I, I put I put forth uh, Ahi means the two chords. That's the two chords. Ahi is uh, wrote out A H I equals the two chords or the two fields. You know what I'm saying? The two openings. The two chords or the two fields. Number thirty-seven for. Uh, Number 37, Wasat Ricket. That's U A T C H hyphenated R E K H I T. 
That's the power of mankind. 39, 38. Nehebka. Nehebka. The N-E-H-E-B-K-A. It means the bestower of powers. Nehebka. Neheb Neferet, 39. Neheb Neferet, part of That's N-E-H-E-B. N-E-F-E-R-T, and that means bestower of good. Number 40. Tsitep. That's wrote T C H E S D R hyphenated T E P. And it means the Holy Chief or the Holy Lord. Tsitep. Or the Sacred Lord. Tsitep meaning sacred or holy. Tsitep. Number 41. Uh, number 41. An af. That's A N hyphenated A F. It means bringer of his hand. Number 42. Abu, and that means white of peace. He Abu is uh, wrote out H E T C H hyphenated A B H U. White of peace. So that's the forty-two. Uh, I am affirmations and praise affirmations, whereas, you know, we're supposed to be the negative uh, confessions or whatnot. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yet, you know, just looking at it from a different angle, this is where I, I, I don't know, it, it works, I guess you say, to help me. I don't Anyway, you know, those are the 42. I'm, I'm still looking up for... Uh, of her, I'm right here at it. It took me a minute to read and uh, attempted to read this at the same time, doing two things at once. Uh, boom, 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 boom. So that's to be pleased, to rest content, gracious, her to advance. No, that's not true. Hold on one heartbeat. Don't lose nothing. Don't lose no space. Or breath. I'm still here. Hold up, though. Ah, uh, that's a job. You know, it's different, uh, same words, but they all have different cognitive or different meaning. And I've attempted to choose 
the most beneficial. Some of them are, are already there, but some of them are just like, yeah, I am doo-doo. What? No. Oh, nah, no. No. <laughs> I went to oh, okay, so. Which one was it? Season 12 above. That might be it right there to advance oneself on high. Now, there it is. Peru. And here we go. So, Naha, her, number five, Nupu, Naha, her, N E H A hyphenated A T R to advance on high. All right. Her meaning, well, Haru also, but her meaning on high, the upper regions. What is above, celestial, um, chief governor, president, also means chief scribe, uh, those who are on Haharu, celestial beings. So, like I said, there's different ways to look at certain words in, uh, in the metaneta and in the modic sense of uh, the ancient scripts. But that's uh, that's what that word is. Nahar is on high. I couldn't read my handwriting because it's in, within the border of the page right there, a little script of scrabbles. Nahar to advance on high. All right, that's the 42 right there. Get thanks oh, to the ancestors for that information and that intelligence. Going, to, going back into the, uh, to the read here. Some of the information that I, I gathered for this occasion. All right. Um, and that meditation, when you do that, breathe in. Um, you breathe in, Nupu. You set limits with the intent of love as you. That's the oxygen and the air and the intelligence is going and infusing into the heart center to fill all the cells with that intelligence and that light. Remember to have the love intention, the green, watch that, always going through, coming in and going through each cell, revitalizing each cell. And the more you do these things, uh, yeah, it's it's a good, uh, you know, some things you just can't really talk about, but that right there is a good meditation. You can do it verbally or you can do it sub-vocally. It's up to you, you know, 10 a week until you get all 42. And you can put four more on the end of it to make it 46. You know what I'm saying? That's that's up to you as well. I do my own little thing right there. You know what I'm saying? With my own little thing right there. <laughs> but you, you can add it on, you know what I'm saying? Build your little, you know, your little doorways, you know, that, that four right there and make that make that uh, 46 if that's what you want. So, you know, that's equivalent to... Uh, well, we were just talking about the 23 and 23, 46, 23 chromosomes, you know, and then 
that junk DNA is the 42. You got the 22 codons of amino acids. Then the other 42, when you jump, when you jump that and put it back in there, that's that unseen, those nutrients within that, the protons within that deep breathing, that, you know, put that back online and it ain't no longer junk no more, what they call junk anyway, but it's no longer blocked, no obstruction, no stops, no breaks. As they say in Tai Chi, no stops, no breaks. You know, it's straight, it's slow moving more hard, but you don't stop, you don't break, keep that flow of energy going, even when you sleep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Still got to move. All right. Boom, boom, boom. Mm. All right. The ancient Kimites also described Nitya Jehuti as the one who made calculations concerning the heavens, the stars, and the earth, the reckoning of times and of seasons, the one who measured out the heavens and planned the earth. He was he who balances the God of equilibrium, the master of balance, the Lord of the divine body. Mm. Scribe of the company of the gods and its years. The author of every work on every branch of knowledge, both human and divine. He who understood all that is hidden under the heavenly vault. One of Tuhuti's or Jehuti's most customary symbols is that of a staff with two serpents rising upward to meet in its center. You know? So he's a, the Lord of the divine body. Jehuti is wisdom, is the intelligence, is the step-down cosmic, galactical, as well as solaric energy or information that we are breathing in that inevitably or infinitely creates the shell of the physical body, but it's also participatory, if that's a good word. It's also in flow throughout our entirety a function as a physical or or a physical entity. This triple thing, so to speak, it fades away and then come right back. But within that intelligence, our soul as well was our our bank, our thoughts of life that continuously flows. Now they're trying to keep it in this one spectrum, you know, under these seven bars or the seven atmospheres, the seven uh, prisms, this, you know, the seven spheres, by keeping us focused on uh, the material substance instead of the ma'at ethereal substance, the insubstantial. And as long as we keep our eye on that substantial or that physical thing, that hard, you know, rigid, I can touch it so it means it's real, Thing, then we're not focused. We're, we, you know, all our energy refocuses right back down here, you know, to the physical thing. We keep recreating that same thing over and over. We spoke on it before. Through heartfelt energy, even though the heart, you know, is generating an emotion of fear. That's again, it's false experiences appearing real. So you want it to do what you know what it want, you want it to do what's right or what we say is right then what we should be doing is refocusing that energy and face everything and relax. Take away that fear element of burning out, you know, making that fear fire. Face everything and relax. So, you know, taking those deep breaths and push it down there with that love intent when you're doing that thing. So, 
So the two serpents rising up to me that is center, that's the symbol of Tahuti, and that's the symbol of protection as well, because when uh, those two energies are going back to the pineal gland, the pineal gland is producing melatonin. Melatonin, of course, produces anti-inflammatory substances into the body that will cause the body to become healthy, as well as reduce aging in the brain. So reducing aging in the brain, reduce aging in the body. So melatonin is very powerful when that pineal gland gets turned on throughout, you know, the active hours of serotonin. That's when that unison in serotonin and melatonin become balanced because melatonin goes to sleep at, at 7 o'clock in the morning, you know what I'm saying, and serotonin wakes up and rises, you know what I'm saying. So, but serotonin goes to sleep at, at about 9 o'clock at night and wakes up at 7 where where melatonin is waking up about nine. So when you when we can get those deep breaths in, we bring in both in unison throughout the circadian of the day, circadian of the day, and that cycle. You know we shouldn't be doing too much yawn at night. We got to move a little bit, and this brain is thinking. But we should we shouldn't be doing too much yin or too much uh, melatonin uh, type of uh, activities through the day, like sleeping, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that, but we should be in a restful state of mind or meditative state of mind throughout the day, all right, but uh, so we'll come out of Stolen Legacies for a brief moment in relation to uh, parts of uh, what I was just speaking on, Stolen Legacy by, um, by George G. M. James Page page 50 and 51. It says right here, the Egyptians were the first to civilize Greeks. Greece was first civilized by colonies from Egypt, then from Phoenicia and Thrace. These were under the government of wise men who not only subdued the ferocity of an ignorant populace by civil institutions, but also cast about them the strong chain of religion and the fear of the gods. Whatever dogmas they had been taught in their respective countries, Concerning things divine and human, they delivered to these newly formed societies with the object of bringing them under the restraint of virtuous discipline. The practice of teaching the doctrines of religion to people under the guise of myths originated from the Egyptians and was adopted by the Phoenicians and Thracians and subsequently introduced to the Greeks. According to Strabo, it was not possible in ancient times to lead a promiscuous multitude to religion and virtue by philosophical heritage. This could be affected only by the aid of superstition, by prodigies and fables. The thunderbolt, the agents, the trident, the spirit, torches, and snakes were the instruments made use of by the founders of states to terrify the ignorant and vulgar into subjection. So that goes back to symbol and how you know, symbols affect the actual psychology of man because you remember symbols are powerful. It's not the words and laws that rule the world. It's symbols. Because they're able to change the in and the out of realities, remember? Because what we're looking at, we're thinking is real. We're thinking to stop, so I mean stop. So it changes our out of reality because we're stopping and it all now we see it's just a little sign like stop. Changes our in reality because it don't mean stop. When we're breaking it down into a, a photonic, etheric, uh, language or metaphysical language away from what we call physical. So we got to look at it in a different way. These words do not have to necessarily be understood 
as they are constantly, as, as we are constantly looking at them as the way they are. That's not what they are constantly uh, meaning. Trick is a little bit. Now I'm going to read some out of, uh, doing a lot of reading. Yeah. It's fun. It's fundamental. <laughs> I, out of uh, Tachi Fajin for Martial Arts and Spiritual Practices by Matachia. It's page 16. It's real abbreviated. It's not much. 16, 17, and 22. Some notes. Um, the discovery of all aspects of the self is an ob- ob- uh, obligatory stage in the realization of the Tao. Um, therefore, the Tao uh, symbol is similar to uh, Ma'at. It's the way, it's the path, it's the truth, it's uh, the balance, it's the order, creates order of the Tao. Okay, so the Tao, therefore, also in the way of the warrior. Um, integration of the whole self is also a vital principle in contemporary psychology as seen in the works of Carl Dunn and Sigmund Freud. Yeah. They both maintain that the discovery and union of the subconscious is vital to healing, to realization of God. In the Taoist framework, holiness is the awareness, understanding, correct use, and merging with all the multiple forces within us, including those difficult to integrate forces like sexual drives and the desire to harm. From an internal alchemical perspective, the eight forces signified by the eight trigrams of the Bhagavad represent the multiple aspects of self. The five elemental forces of existence can also represent represent these aspects of self. This progress towards wholeness and simplicity in the Tao is called self-cultivation. Self-cultivation is a means of achieving sainthood, a full realization of the Tao. In other traditions, this state might be called enlightenment. As a part of this effort, um, Chan describes the 13 postures of battle, which are the eight gates and five steps. The eight gates have a correspondence to the Bagua and are defined as the eight methods of release of Jin. Jin is uh, the internal power. When we develop these postures in reference to our relationships with the internal alchemical essences, we facilitate our movement toward the Tao. Mastery of the inner worlds and discovery of the way cannot occur without understanding of incompetence in its earthly manifestation. When principles of internal alchemy are applied, they enhance the martial skill and also facilitate experience of unified or unitive uh, state. Let open page 27 real quick. The warrior's journey becomes a, a valid path to self-realization in the principles of self-cultivation and inter-alchemy are juxtaposed over a framework of the individual's maturation. The maturation of the spiritual warrior may be reflected in the acquisition of skills within. within. That maturation of the spiritual warrior may be reflected in the acquisition of skills within that include emotional control, spontaneity, and fighting, and discharge energy. Deeper unknown portions of our being may determine who chooses to embark on this path. The hero or haru was successful or death along the hero or successful or death along it is the one who finds peace through the fighting arts. When you use this form over a period of fifteen to twenty years, it becomes locked in your molecular memory and your cells and it is part of your consciousness. So when you ascend, you would take this form to other realms. 
which you're indirectly doing with the years of practice is building a protective vortex that will aid you in the next round. You're speaking on like right there, the very uh, last part is uh, practicing certain martial as uh, like uh, forms, martial art forms, Bagua, Baguazan, the eight changes where you're going in a, you take eight steps and then you change your the, the posture into another to another part of the form. And then, you know, you're doing that both ways. So you go eight to the left, then eight to the right. So that's creating a cyclical vortex of energy within that within that walk. The same with, like, Tai Chi and Qigong. The more you doing the breathing and the visualizations of the breath, it's going to body you building up a, a, a portal, but also as a protective portal of those two energies, those, that figure eight, both sides coming together, you know, that's a physical representation of your uh, mitosis and bringing it back to life, bringing it back online. So uh, they are Tai Chi and Chi uh, Gods are very valuable in the transition. I'm trying to tell you. I ain't, you know, I can talk about it, but I'm talking about walking about it. You know, it's one thing to be sitting here saying this stuff and talking about it, but in the morning I'm going to get up at 5.30. First thing I'm going to do is meditate. I'm stretch, do the meridian stretch. Then I'm going to meditate for about 30 minutes to an hour. Then I'm going outside and do all stairs and do some Tai Chi and Qigong. You know, I found out how valuable it is. You know, that's the, that was the one thing. If it was anything missing out of life, it was getting that breath in and actually activating it and applying it, like, day to day. Because every day is a new day. Tomorrow, you know, I do rest, you know, I, I, on Sunday, Sundays is my fast days. That's the days of me and my people's week that uh, we train together. We fast on Sundays, and we don't do pretty much nothing. I think I, I eat sometimes. I drink, you know, a little something in the morning, but I we usually don't do too much on the fast day. All right, so last part of this is we were just reading on some of the spiritual practices of uh, Tai Chi Fadin, martial arts and spiritual practices practices of uh, discharging or Tachi Fajin basically means uh, Tachi means the ultimate Fajin means discharge energy so the ultimate discharge which can basically mean creative power when utilized properly in your uh, in your walk alright okay Pertin um, Maru by Dr. Muwatha Ashby, page 21. That's right here. Uh, the first and most important teaching to understand our study surrounds the ancient Egyptian word Sheti. Sheti comes from the root Shata. The ancient Egyptian word Shata means something which is hidden, secret, unknown, or cannot be seen or understood, a secret, a mystery. What is considered to be inert matter also possesses hidden properties of Shatuakach. Ritual words of power, ku haku, the mattress, religious texts, and pictures are shatoat, nature, or divine mysteries. Shatat or sashat are the secret rituals in the course of the Egyptian gods, shatai, oh, of the Egyptian gods. Shatai is the hidden god, the incomprehensible god, mysterious one, and the secret one. All right, so the shatai akat, the hidden properties within all things. Shatai Natir, the divine mysteries. You know what I'm saying? The divine mysteries are not so mysterious 
once we get a, a flow of it, get, get that blockage out. All right, so uh, what triggered Christians to fear the snake so much? Because that snake is, you know, that S on, on, the, on, on the cross, basically. Kundalini energy, Christ's energy rising up. Why do they equate the devil with the serpent? This wasn't the case in ancient religions. Greeks honored the Agathodamian or the noble spirit as a good spirit protecting the individual. Back to protection. Furthermore, state metaphors in ancient Kemet mythology is rich and diverse, serving both the rural and the public viewpoints. Even today, the Hindus regard the inner Kundalini serpent as what exists in man that ascends to the immortal divine. The snake makes its first appearance in portrayals of the Uraeus, the rearing cobra, or Ka Ba Ra, Ka spirit, Ba soul, Ra life force. On the Nigus, or the kings, and the queens, Nigas, brow. The term Uraeus comes from a Greek word that likely derived from the Egyptian word Irat, she who rears up. If you noticed on the slideshow, I put the sign up there with Irat on it. Labeled is labeled on it, and that's actually the French stop sign. I don't think there's any coincidence. You know, that's how things are. You know, it's, it's very similar also to the word uh, in ancient Kemetic, Aret, which means I, A A R E R E T, and I N is I, where the circle is the I. So, all right, so speak for itself. The cobra, or kabara, can make itself appear more commanding by raising its head and spreading its neck to a hood, the way it is depicted in the imagery and statues. This gesture makes an appropriate symbol for the power of the nigu. The Tamaatian cobra was the third most, is the third most toxic venom, has the third most toxic venom of any cobra. Nevertheless, it's considered deadlier than the northern Philippine cobra or Cape cobra because it's much larger and more aggressive and can inject more venom in one single bite. But disagreeing to common belief, cobras will rarely attack unless aggravated. However, if provoked, it will make jam-packed use of its deadly force. The most often perceived snake deity is the cobra goddess Wajet, or Wajet, Ujet, Ijo, or Uto, whose major cult center was at Buto in the Nile Delta region of Lower Egypt. Wajet had a shrine confirmed even from had a shrine confirmed even from pre-dynastic times called the Peru, or House of Flame. She had her own priesthood. And you know, that's had to rule, House of Flame, House of Life. She had her own priesthood, proven to in a Ramsey-side inscription on a block statue. High priest of Wajet. Wajet's name, name means the green or fresh one, or she of the papyrus. According to one of the pyramid texts, she was responsible for creating the papyrus swamps. Wadet can also appear in Leonin form, suggesting her role as Av Haru, or Av Ra, Haru being Ra Harekiti, Harukiti, the same as Wadet. The Av Haru is an ancient Egyptian symbol of protection, royal power, and good health. Go back to the Av Haru, and when you split your brain sadly, you know, you got the Av Haru right there, but the Av Haru is, you know, the Thomas, the hypothalamus, uh, the, the, um, and the pineal, the pituitary bodies, all that is within it. But the pineal gland produces melatonin. Melatonin produces uh, anti-inflammatory and also wards off free radicals. It's a free radical scavenger. So that per what? 
Protection. Yeah, protection. All right, the Um it is also known to Al-Ra, the name why that is derived from wide, meaning green, hence the green one, and was known to the Greeks and Romans as Jureids, from the Egyptian Aret. Aret, meaning risen one, from the image of a cobra rising up in protection. Wajet was one of the earliest of committed goddesses who later became associated with other deities such as Bas, Tegmet, Mut, and Heteru. In Gotham text Haiku 313, Haru states, I created my eye in flame. I made my eye a living serpent. In another version of the myth, Ra had sent forth his eye, and while it was gone, grew a new one. The first eye returned and was displeased. Ra Atim then transformed her into a snake goddess with fire capacity. Malachite, which is a green mineral that is a basic carbonate of copper, used especially for making ordinal objects. You know, the ancient comedics, our ancient brothers and sisters in Christian Kemite were renowned for being able to change or uh, change one mineral into another mineral or fuse gold onto a, a metal substance like silver or uh, make it gold or, or whatnot. Um, glitters for me. I live according to my will, for I am like that lady of devouring flame who approached me from the ancient Egyptian Book of the Dead by Carl Andrews, Raymond Falcon, page 49. And, and then also, Wajet was closely connected to the Nagu both in the projective Uraeus as his brow and his brow and also in the two ladies title of his accurate classification. Wajet, either magnetic negative of lower Egypt, joined with Nekbat, Pinal, I mean Pangala, electric positive of upper Egypt to become the two ladies, thereby suggesting the union of the two regions over which the king ruled. Remember the two nurses uh, that we were speaking on in uh, 42, um, I am affirmation um, of Upper Egypt to become the, the two ladies, thereby suggesting the union of the two regions over which the king ruled. Go back into uh, first world order real quick. Bam, bam, bitty bam. Page two thirteen. Right here, um, another name for Washita is Washita meaning uh, mother, father of the mystics, which is an indigenous mood, transliteration, and the original pronunciation of the word washita, the word washita, has the same meaning as the ancient Tamarine, Kamach, Egyptian word washita, or washit, and in fact, in fact derived from it. From time immemorial, the symbol of the winged sun disk, er, washit, has been used to signify freedom and expansion of the mind, soul, or the ra'atim, in the ancient Egyptian Tamaran or Tamurian myth of Asur, it is said that Haru defeated Set by becoming Urwashet or the winged sun disk, the all-encompassing divinity. Haru defeated Set by becoming the Urwashet, the sacred form of Urwashet, the winged sun disk with two uraids, symbolizing the goddess Nekabet, Pingala electric positive on the right, and the goddess Washet, either magnetic negative on the left. Thus it was derived that Jehuti, wisdom, it thus, it was decreed by Jehuti wisdom that the Urwashit should be seen decorating every temple as the protection from evil. The Urwashit should be seen decorating what? Every temple. So every temple that's yoke, temple, uh, you know, temple of man. So the uh, the Urwashit is the pineal gland. I mean, it's the uh, Av Ra, the Av Haru, where the pineal gland sits. 
and that's where either Pagala goes up or Washington and, and uh, Nekaba goes up and swam, bam, boom. You know, we do the little dance right there. Do the little dance. Get in line tonight. Yeah. All right. So, um, and the Lower Egypt joins with uh, Upper Egypt to become the two ladies, thereby suggesting the union of the two regions over which the king ruled. Nekabat is a vulture goddess whose name means she of Nekab. Nekab or El-Kab was, was close to Nekin, an early capital of all of Egypt, thereby earning her the title associated with Nekab. Only traces of her originally impressive sanctuary remains of El-Kab, but there's plenty of other evidence to show her importance. Sometimes the two ladies are both depicted as vultures or as serpents. In this case, their headwear usually identifies them. Nekbet with the white crown of Upper Kemet and Wajek with the red crown of Lower Kemet. If you notice, the colors of the stop sign correspond to the crowns of Upper and Lower Kemet, red and white. So at the approval of each Nagu was given the title He of the Two Ladies. In the coordination scenes, the goddesses were often shown in human form on either side of the king. Wajet often appeared as the Uraeus cobra on the, on the Nagu's forehead and Nekbet hovered above the Nagu, shading and fanning him with her wings. The male equivalent was the two, uh, the two, god, was the two gods of ruin set. The male equivalent was the two gods of ruin set, who could also represent north and south. Not only the location of the region and poor environment is also a future identity, Within the mystery system, as in the case of the three, of the, uh, as in the case of the three, the more significant cobra goddesses, and where they and where they were expected to be encountered, Marcius was Wadet, Cornfields Reninutet, and Desert Hills Mertisica. However, not all snake deities are female. There is one exception, Nehabuka, and that's another one of the affirmations there. Who is also extremely, who is also an extremely powerful deity. In contrast to the other snake deities, Nehabuka is male. In early illustrations, he is fully serpentine. However, later on, he is given a human body. Initially, in mythological history within the pyramid text, he is given the role of assisting the departing Nagu and offering him food. But there is misunderstanding over his origin. One version has him as Selkis, a scorpion goddess, as uh of his origin. One version has him as son of Selkis or Sukhet, the scorpion goddess, put emphasis on his later role of restoring the health of those who have been bitten by scorpions and other venomous creatures. Yet another version thinks of him as son of Geb. Possibly this is the correct classification. Geb and the snake, oh, Geb and the snake goddess Renituit. Uh, possibly this is the correct classification on behalf of the point that he would have inherited the nursing traits of his mother, who was known as she who nourishes. He's a powerful god, but subject to, but not subject to magic, nor can be harmed by water or fire. When the recital of the first M. Haru Haiku declares, I pass eternity like Nehabaka, there's no doubt he's referring to his internal indestructible nature, his immortality. One of his titles is He Who Harnesses the Spirits, and Nehubaka is known for the seven cobras he swallowed. Provider of life energies is also another meaning of Nehubaka's name. His name can also be translated as bestower of dignities. I translate it as uh, bestower of power, um, uh, or as uniter of the cause. All in essence, implying the empowerment of the sovereign. 
that he would call most likely his mother is Rex, uh can uh, appear either as human with the snake head or snake with the human head. Initially, Renewed is one of the names given to the Uraeus, and the pyramid per Ankh aids her most vital concern, protection of the Negro, is the life and beyond, in this life and beyond. As the centuries went by, she became more a goddess of the people. While she was involved with continuing nourishment for the cause of the dead, her more direct role was protecting and producing a bountiful harvest for the living. Out of why darkness matters, power melanin in the brain. Um, by Dr. Bruce Edward Benham, Dr. Ansi Brown, and Dr. Richard D. King, as well as Dr. T. Owens. More, pages 58 and 60. All right, it says right here, the very powerful black matter acts as a low-level semiconductor, superconductor, transmitting and regenerating the current needed for conscious intellect and sensory motor functions. It is our position that neuromelanin is regenerated through raw food and food pigments intake, especially from raw fruits and vegetables and natural unprocessed food additives. All right. Um, studies done on the elderly Indian population that regularly consumes large amounts of turmeric spice in their diet shows they're less likely to develop Alzheimer's or multiple sclerosis uh, than their counterparts in western part and western population. Um, Western studies and still growing, and, and many more by um, Indian scientists have already demonstrated that natural plant derived phytochemical polyphenolic pigments in common food additives ingested daily in cultures such as Indian, African, Caribbean, Asian, and South American can prevent or reduce many of the neurological and other debilitating diseases seen in Western cultures where these additives are rarely used, such as uh, uh, curcumin and turmeric. Uh, furthermore, curcumin may, um, may be chemoprotective against the growth of gastric and colon cancer and may protect the brain against free radical damage by the induction of oxygenase as protection. It is our position that a great deal of the pain and suffering visited upon the world's elderly population, especially, are nutrition-related. In spite of food distribution injustice, poor countries often have advantages over more affluent countries in their cultural selection of foods that tends to keep certain diseases at a minimum. All right. That's dealing with Renutuit, who is the goddess of nature, or somewhat a goddess of the fields, granaries, and kitchen. But she was a protective deity, you know what I'm saying? So they protect your melanin. Don't let nobody harm your melanin. Get it, get it clean and get it, um, you know, flowing properly. Um, Okay, now that we have consumed the outline of some some of the different gods and goddesses within the traumatic pantheon, let's arrive into the esoteric metaphysical applications of snake mythology. The traumatic snake mythos goes beyond deities to incorporate another understanding, also expressed in the Hindu concept of Kundalini and the Eastern concept of Chi. Dark Light Consciousness, got a few more minutes by Dr. Bruce Bynum, Chapter 8, on page 156. Uh, in ancient India, a variety of worship of Kundalini first by the indigenous regions of the south and later by the Indo-Aryan invaders from the north was seeded throughout their literature and physical artifacts. In pre-Aryan India, the serpent Uraeus of Kundalini was termed the Naga or Nagi. It was at the roots of prehistoric Afro-Asiatic and Astro-Asiatic Hinduism. It symbolized the pre- preformal the primordial sacred force. 
here no longer concentrated in the bottom of the ocean, but in the depths of the earth. It is the life force as it expresses itself and the cycles it makes. The spine is the central navigation path for this life, which the Tamaris, by ancient ancient um, brothers and sisters called Ka or Ra. This life force agreed upon in Hindu tradition is the chakra system as it expresses itself through seven energy centers in the astral body, which relate to the Nurgangalia branching out from the spinal column. The ancient Kemites associated the back and spine with magical powers in the comedic word pis or pesju for spine or back had different definitives that also means to give light to gleam to shine. The snake is essentially a living spinal column, something our ancestors noticed. They understood the revitalizing nature of the spine, gifted with life-giving properties. The text from Old Kingdom, kingdom and Africa made mention of the back and spine and the bones which are included within it. In other words, the neck, trunk, tail, and vertebrae in perceptions that suggest that they were all thought to fulfill magic or physiological functions in reproduction and restoration of the dead. As a result, in um, the pyramid text utterance 336, the king says to the son, Hail to you, bull of bulls. When you rise, I grasp you by your tail, and I grip you by the root of your tail. As for my corpse, it is rejuvenated. And similarly, and Mary takes utterance 539, I will ascend and rise up to the sky. My spine is the wild bull. Um, my vertebrae are the two needs. I will ascend and rise up to the sky. The metanetic word for bulls is the same word for the spirit of vital life force, Ka. Possibly the similarity is due to their belief that bulls were high in this energy or life force. Okay, so as in one addition word for spine has associated with to shine, so does the addition glyph for ka, the two hands outstretched. If it is combined with other glyphs, also means to shine or to be radiant. You can also notice that the two hands resemble the horns of a bull. Okay, <clears throat> jump on down here, right here. The Egyptians weren't the only ones to be concerned with the soul's immortality. The Oriental yoga system also was and is. Bagua, the hidden knowledge in the Taoist internal martial arts by John Grayson, page 11, states the Nidan or an inner alchemical school is focused on the development of Nichi or energy. Two martial artists today realize that the concept of the Dantian, Dan, Dian in Japanese derives from the Taoist internal yoga tradition. The term Dan refers to the secret drug of immortality that participants in the yoga tradition believed could be developed in the area of the lower belly, or the, literally the field. Remember the two fields, one of the uh, affirmations. This dantian translates as the field of the elixir of immortality. There are three of these dantians, a lower dantian, which correlates either to the solar plexus or lower back chakra, a middle dantian, which correlates to the heart chakra, and the upper dantian, which correlates to the third eye, uraeus chakra, it is, or first eye, uraeus chakra. It is interesting that while the Nietzsche school doesn't count seven fields, they do speak of the importance of the root area, as mentioned earlier. They endeavor to build chi pressure in the lower dantian to contraction of the anus and perineum. All right, so um, in the pyramid text, Eunice eats the magic of men and gods. Eunice's privileges will not be taken from him, for he has swallowed the perception of every god, the perception of every god, the breath, the intelligence. The belly, the head of root, the house of light, area of gestation and birth, creative intelligence, were properly aligned with higher self, the pineal gland, is understood to be the storehouse of haiku or the power word, as the, or power, as the pyramid text speaks of the belly filled with this magic. 
right. So um, got a few more minutes to try to get some of this in. Kundalini is the force of consciousness. It is the internal fire that ignites our soul. Equally, this seems to be a reasonable definition of another term, the black flame, melanin. Kundalini is also described as a flame which rises up. Remember the comedic term Ararat, she who rises up. Although it is usually resting in the lower back chakra, I felt the energy ball, a.k.a. the T-ball, shoot upwards, glowing, blazing all the way up the spine. As the diamond is hard and indestructible, as the thunderbolt is powerful and irresistible, likewise, the term Vajra is also used to describe that which is stable, permanent, and indestructible and powerful. The spiral shaft of the um, jam or wise scepter might be an imitation of lightning through the earth chakra or sexual organs, one obtains an amazing material strength through the water chakra or kidneys, one may acquire youthful uh, energies, thus counterbalancing the process of aging and organic decay. The water of life, the essence of kidneys, through the fire chakra, heart, one gains the power of transmutation and of dissolving the elements. This also corresponds to the hermetic saying, Sarb et Kogala, which is on the, on the arm, the tattooed on the arm of uh, Baphomet in that picture, as above, so below. The Phamanipada chakra is a hyper chakra to see the magical force in its, in its communication. A frequent phrase concerning possessing magical powers is, I have filled my belly with magic. I have called to, my, to mind all the magic which is in my belly. The early pyramid text declares union's powers are on his torso. The first two chakras are an enabling inner powers as sacred centers are enabling inner powers, self-preservation, self-gratification, and self-definition. The fifth, sixth, and seventh chakras are powers aiming towards uh, aiming towards outward expression. Uh, the fifth, sixth, and seventh chakras are powers aiming outwards. The fifth towards communication, the sixth towards awareness and the psychic, and the seventh towards connection that goes beyond time and space. Where your 